Hey, hey, folks. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Trost Talk here. Uh, we got a great episode in store for you. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, follow me on Instagram at Trost Talk. Um, but first, my buddy, Pablo2020. Alrighty, folks. So this is going to be episode 51. Uh, I am joined by my friend Christel Bene. Uh, but first, before we get into that, uh, please subscribe to the show. I am available on all platforms uh, except for YouTube. You know, you can sp- uh, get me on Spotify, uh, podcast, Apple, Apple podcast, I mean, uh, or SoundCloud. Hit the subscribe button, give it a listen, maybe throw it on repeat, get those numbers up. And uh, Teespring, uh, link in my bio. Uh, so it is a link. Uh, the company Teespring, they make my shirts for me, uh, ship them directly to your house. Um, go ahead and grab one. Uh, got them in white or black. And yeah, um, so in this episode today, Chris and I will be talking about the NFL, the upcoming season. We are going to be talking about some interesting topics about, uh, you know, comeback players such as Dak. And Joe Burrow, we'll be talking about the Wentz Hurts debacle, little Aaron Rodgers. And then we're going to go ahead and break down every division in the AFC and NFC, give you guys our final thoughts where we think teams are going to rank. And then we'll give an early Super Bowl prediction as well. Um, Obviously early, way too early, some would say, but part of the game and just a little fun, right? Uh, So first and foremost, to introduce my buddy, Christelle Bene, you've heard him before, you know, his sports analysis and you know how we talk. Chris, say hello to the people. What's going on, everybody? Good to be back on the potty. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, before we get into the NFL, how are you doing, man? How's uh, how's life treating you? How's the new digs? Good, man. Moving into a new crib. Uh, I lived in a studio apartment for like the last year, so it was kind of interesting moving from that to like, you know, having way more space now living in the house. So just kind of adjusting to that. So working from home. Uh, potentially talking about going back into an office setting at some point within the next couple of months. That would be interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but weird. nonetheless, yeah, it would definitely be a change of pace. What about you? What you been up to? What's going on in the life of you? Not much. Uh, other than yesterday, getting my ass absolutely handed to me. Like, never got knocked they, down, but the dude had some hammers. Uh, it was a rough day at, at uh, boxing yesterday, but... One of those things where it was just more frustrating because I saw the holes in my game and I was like, fuck. And, you know, it's kind of like that first time where you you just know you're like, that didn't go my way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I got too locked up in like, this guy really wanted to fight at mid-range and I was just like, and I'm not very good at mid-range, I'm better from a distance because I'm taller and longer. And I got kind of sucked into just trying to battle him in that instead of trying to fight my fight. Um, so did better in my last round with him and that was kind of that, um, yeah, other than that, you know, just got a little bit of a, a runny nose situation going on, but, um, nothing serious, a little marked up, a little sore in the jaw and the head, but nothing serious. Like if I wanted to go do some sparring today, probably could, but 
you know, got my podcast. Uh, <laughs> it was fun, so I'll be back at it, um, training with those guys again on Monday. But uh, it was fun. I mean, it was one of those things where it was just like, you know, you get to like one of the last rounds, you're like, I really don't want to do this. I've just been getting my ass kicked for three rounds. And then I was just like, just got to finish it out. But went in there, just gutted it out, kept my distance, just kind of kept him off with me with his jab, with my jab. And not much I could do outside of that. Um, but yeah, just saw that. I, the fr- It was really just frustrating because I was like, man, I just got so much to work on. And that was pretty much, that was like what got in my head the rest of the day. But other than that, it wasn't really that I, took a beating it was just like holy shit man i got so much to work on so you got to go back to the lab as they say <laughs> keep sculpting keep scraping the antlers exactly, a little bit. exactly um all right so i guess we could just we'll just hop into it let's get into a little we got a lot to talk about anyways um I, about. I, I would say first let's just dive into one of the bigger stories i would say that was coming out of the nfl season uh particularly the postseason we had aaron Rodgers who was requesting a trade. He was also standing, uh, sitting out until he either got a trade or his contract reworked to the way that he wanted. Uh, as most of us know, he ended up going back. He ended up getting the contract, I guess you would say, that he wanted where he gets to play this year, and then they reorganize and see where things are going. Uh, Chris, I'll let you kind of start with this one. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I imagine mine might be a little different, but... Uh, we just start you off, see what you thought about the whole Aaron Rodgers debacle thing. So first off, from what I hear, it seems as though he's going to play this year, and then at the end of this year, if he still wants to be traded, he will be traded. But the Green Bay Packers are dictating where he's going to go. He doesn't have a say. He can't say no if they want to send him wherever they want to send him. So it's more of like you, they're still kind of in, in control of the situation one way or another, even though they're playing this year. But you know, I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at the Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, the first way, I, I mean, let's look at it from Aaron's perspective. Um, Green Bay's been on the doorstep of the championship several times in the last couple of years. And I think, you know, when they've been on that doorstep, they, you know, it was blatantly obvious that the team they were playing was way better than them. We can go back to like 2014 when they lost to Seattle, even though it was a close game. Seattle was the better team. Atlanta, the same thing. They got rolled. Same thing against the 49ers. They got rolled. And I mean, like, man, so I think, like, yeah. you know, when you're the Niners the, one was particularly bad. Right. Well, I mean, dude, I think the Niners threw the ball six times that game. Yeah. So they just ran them over. And so I think, you know, when you're on the doorstep of like Super Bowl and you're still not good enough and you got a team like Green Bay who, you know, doesn't like to do a lot of changes in free agency, they're more of a, a draft and develop type of team. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm very familiar with this being a Steelers fan. It's kind of frustrating sometimes. It's like we have a good nucleus and we need to kind of go out and like make some moves, get like a guy, a difference maker player here or there offensively or defensively. And so I feel like he's been kind of frustrated in that regard where, you know, and I think he's also frustrated at the fact that, you know, they let a lot of players that were close to him go like Jordy Nelson. I think, uh, you know, a quarterback's coach. I mean, you're working, the person you're working closest with if you're a quarterback is the quarterback's coach. So if you fire him, but telling him, you know, uh, I could see him being upset with a lot of the ways that, they, well, that's some of the players will let go. I mean, I think yeah. you're dealing with someone in, in Aaron Rodgers who's very easily alienated. I think that's shown in his personal life. I think that's shown in, you know, as, in his life as a teammate. And so I think the way that the Packers have conducted business um, could really alienate someone like Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think that, um, you know, 
I think I think he has a lot to, you know, he's valid in a lot of the ways he thinks. And I mean, and then let's look at it from like, you know, the perspective of the Packers, where like, you know, Aaron in 2017 was hurt. In 2018 and 2019, he had the lowest QBR of his career. And I mean, if you want to go into what QBR is, it's basically like a compilation of everything a quarterback does, how he contributes to winning. I mean, he was at 50. So, not, I mean, you have an Aaron Rodgers who's trending downward. And, you know, I could see them, you know, wanting to bring in a quarterback to groom, not to play right away. I mean, they did the same thing with Aaron. You Brett Favre, Aaron sat for three years. So I could see why, like, you know, they decided to bring him in. Um, I, I think a person like Aaron does deserve to be, you know, told, like, hey, we're going to bring in a quarterback. Like, I think he deserved that. But I think what frustrated him was, you know, again, on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, you go into a draft, you trade up and trade for Jordan Love, who's not going to play right away. You draft, uh, you know, a third down power back. And uh, I think his name's A.J. Dillon, who's just like, you know, a big bumper. And then you, a, 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 a blocking tight end. And, you know, the the typical standard is in the first round, you want to draft players that are going to become starters or, you know, players for you. And you draft guys that are kind of just, you know, additional pieces, nothing that's going to help you get over the home. So again, see the frustration there, see it from Green Bay's perspective where, you know, 2017 to 2019, right before his MVP season, he was trending downward a little bit, even if he was still successful, like, you know, they were seeing signs of decline. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, I think it's better. I, I think it really is just a, you know, it could go either way situation. Aaron Rodgers could leave, and I could see I could see that. But it would be it would be interesting to see where he would go. I think it'd be interesting to see him go to a team like Denver. And we'll kind of get into Denver in a little bit when we kind of break down the teams, but I think they're a team that, you know, with a quarterback and that roster, I think they would be a serious player in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, I see it from both sides. Uh Jordan, I mean, you've seen Jordan Love in the it's a preseason, but I think that he's more of a project. And I think if the, if the Packers can kind of keep that nucleus around him, uh, it would be interesting to see like how they would move forward because they would obviously get a haul for Aaron Rodgers. Like they traded him, and it might you know suit them in the future and give them pieces that they need elsewhere, especially especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know whether that's through a draft pick, whatever they get for Aaron. I think you know they that he would qualify of getting at least a starter or two, and then multiple draft picks. Um, but nonetheless, it's kind of my thought. What do you think in there? What do you feel? Well, I mean, I don't disagree with any of your your overall thoughts on, like, the perspective of each side. Uh, now, I personally side with Aaron Rodgers more on this than I do Green Bay. Um, reason being is I do think that a lot of Aaron's two bad years dealt with. You had a coach change. You had a massive, uh, and you had a lack of depth. And one of the reasons they were really upset was the year they drafted Jordan Love. They they should have drafted like another wide receiver talent because mm-hmm. they clearly one of the things that I thought they got exposed in in the playoffs, and the only reason they were successful made it to the NFC title was because of Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, because mm-hmm. it really was him and just Deontay uh, Devontae Adams, Devontae, yeah. and people pretty much just doubled Devontae Adams, and they're like, good luck finding another weapon. And so Aaron Rodgers had to play that's with that Aaron for two Jones years. kind of came from, too. Aaron yeah. Jones kind of emerged from there. And so that's where I think, you know, it was – it all he was asking, especially in those two years, they had high level of uh, wide receiver draft picks to pick from. 
And instead, they moved up to draft a quarterback, acting like the other things going on weren't symptoms of why Aaron was playing the way Aaron was playing. Now, to Green Bay's perspective, yeah, okay. So some of their wide receivers developed doing what uh, you know Green Bay does like to do in developing their star players, but or in developing their players. But I think it's a disrespect to them, and it doesn't mean you can't go out and get free agents now. There's certain players like Devontae Adams is one of them. I think he only is signing a one-year deal with, or he's, he's not, he hasn't signed at all with uh, Green Bay and he's playing out his remaining year on his contract. And he may even be a free agent next year and go somewhere else and not sign with Green Bay. Um, I think Aaron, personally, I would have liked to have seen him continue to hold out and not even have returned. And the, and the only reason I say this is if you're going to make a statement as far as you hold out, you getting it to where, oh, you get to just renegotiate and or get a trade at the end of next year, to me is, I don't necessarily consider that a win because it's like you could have just sat out and done that this year. And if you sit out long enough and you force them to play a quarterback who is a project, they're going to trade you. They're going to give you what they want because you just got to hold to your guns, in my opinion. Like, it's a big thing. Like, holding out is not something that I think should be taken lightly. You're, it's a player who's, it's not some meaningless thing where you're just like, oh, I'm going to do it as a negotiating tactic. It's like, all right, yeah, it is a negotiating tactic, but your whole thing is you wanting to leave. It's not you wanting a new contract, you know? It's not like Zeke when he held out or other infamous people who have held out for bigger contracts. It's not necessarily wanting to leave the team. It's you not even wanting to be in the organization, and so then you're holding out and you're like, ah, all right, well, I'll come back for this year as long as I get to leave next year. It's like, you, dude, you wanted to leave this year. Hold out and make it so, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, the thing with holding out, and I just think, dude, he would have lost millions upon millions of dollars. And I mean, I, I think that you're, I don't think he's that not he Le'Veon willing... Bell where money's an issue. Like Le'Veon I mean... Bell was working, I think, with a rookie contract at that point. Like he wasn't, he wasn't making the money and been in the league for 15 years like Aaron Rodgers had been. Aaron Rodgers has money. Yeah, I, get, I suppose, but he's, I mean, I don't know. I, I think his mindset was, I'm not walking away from $30 million. Like, and the Packers are stubborn enough of an organization to say, if you're not going to come in, then we're just not going to pay you. And so that's, I think he I knew that. And I think that Green Bay, regardless of how he feels about the organization, is still one of the better teams in the NFC. Uh, I think really? that they're, you know, and I think that, you know, if he sits out a year, he wastes a year that where he could go get a Super, be a Super Bowl. Because that. They're in the hunt. I mean, the NFC is is a gauntlet, and, and we'll get into that too. But, I mean, you're walking away from money and time. And I think those two things are essential to Aaron Rodgers, whether that's like, you know, even if it's just – I don't think $30 million is measly to, to me and you or to most people. I would say Aaron Rodgers kind of feels the same way regardless of what he has. I mean, realistically, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is getting a lot from State Farm, but I feel like he's not in a lot – like numerous no but he's gonna make at least five to ten million doing what he wants this year without sure. football now i'm not saying i'm not trying to say to me it's like a principal argument it's like if you're gonna do a holdout to want to leave like you could chalk this up as a win for the packers they got aaron Rodgers back to make one last run sure they get to leave next year but they also get to dictate where he kind of goes mm-hmm. and Granted, Devontae Adams gets to leave, so your team could be shambles. But essentially what you did is you're like, all right, we got our we got we got what we wanted and we got one more year to run it back, and then we we start over and we redo our project. Is the way I think Green Bay gets I think to look at it. 
I think they bought themselves a, a year of time. Just That's what I'm saying. Year. Is like, they, yeah, and then they like, get to re they get to redo everything next year after this. What year. happens? What happens is they go out again and go, and go to the NFC Championship game or go to the Super Bowl. Like I don't know how you walk away from that, especially with all that. I mean, you've been there 17 years. Well, that's like that Christian Leitner winning cures all. But I think, I think if they win it, I think that's more of an excuse for him to be like, yeah, all right, I did what I wanted. I I did what I finally wanted to do here then. I won another Super Bowl. I think it's one of those where it's like almost like a Giannis. It's like Giannis could now, in theory, leave after his contract and nobody would say anything because he got the Bucks Mm -hmm. a title. Nobody would say anything. He'd be like, I did what I came here to do. I got the Milwaukee Bucks a title. So he could leave in four or five years, I think, is when his contract's up. And I don't think anybody bats an eye if Giannis were to do that. And I think same goes with Aaron. If he were to win this contract and then or win a Super Bowl this year and then leaves, he look he's like, Look, I did what you wanted. I got you your Super Bowl. Now do what I want and send me to another team that the team that I want to finish my well, career out. You know, this is where I'll disagree with you because I don't think that Aaron Rodgers has kind of let the Packers down in some perspective. And this is and if you look at his numbers and each of the NFC championships that he lost, I believe he's one in four. So he won against the Chicago Bears in 2009-2010, where Jay Cutler got hurt at halftime and was on a bicycle just riding like with a spray knee and refused to go back in the game and barely won, didn't have a great game against them, so won other than that. And then you look at the Seattle game, the Seattle NFC Championship game, did not play the best. And then you look at the Falcons NFC Championship game, he got blown off the field. Again, I know he was severely outgunned, but he did not perform well. Like, I've been talking multiple interceptions in all of these games. And then you know, average quarterback rate. Like, I'm telling you, look it up. The numbers don't lie there. And then again, against the Bucks, like, he played well, but if you look down the stretch, um, that, on that last drive, they're, they're going in the score to tie the game. It's third down. He has a clear cut line to the end zone to run, and he, he makes a bad throw. And I think you, you, I mean, you're the MVP of the league. You got to make those. You got to make that play. You got. And so I think a lot of that, he had the ball in his hands. He had. He was in position to do things, and he personally did not deliver. And so. And then that, that's what I would say in terms of like, I don't know how much you, you feel, I think there'd be some animosity to him walking away right now because he, he hasn't really delivered. I, and I don't disagree with that. I don't, I'm just saying for like, again, to go back and just reiterate my point is like, I think it's more of a principle thing. Like if you're going to do that, like he could have been going to camp doing all this and then talking with the Packers behind closed doors and being like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like I won't make a stint about this. I won't make it public. You know, I want to be respectful of the organization. Like if you want to leave, you got to keep talking to the org, but if you're going to make a move, like I'm going to stay out until I get what I want. Like you, you wanted to leave. So it's to me, I'm just saying is like, he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. He gets to leave after next year, but he's still under the guise of like work, having to work with the Packers for one more time. So he's not technically, getting what he wanted now i understand there's a lot of people who be like yeah he does he gets to leave it's like all right yeah but the packers got what they wanted they got aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and mvp back for one more year to run it back with a team who's already a contending team mm-hmm. and it's their best contending team because the seattle team you're talking about legion of boom one of the best defenses we'd probably seen since the previous 2001 ravens and then mm-hmm. you had also the Niners, an incredible defense when they got ran out 
and the lack of firepower in those two. Pass rush. Yeah, and they had zero. Uh, they had zero offensive weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Now they're all excuses. I get that. It doesn't matter, but it's not like he had the ball in his hands to make some plays happen for the Niners. The Niners just blew him out from the get-go. And I think everybody even saw that before the game came. They knew that the Niners were going to win. They had already played previously, like four weeks they earlier, and them. the same they thing happened. Them. The Falcons them. just had a really high offense, high-power offense, and the Packers didn't have the defense that they do now. And they didn't have any offensive weapons to try and go toe-to-toe with an offense like that. And at that year, Falcons' up. defense was doing pretty decent at that time. They'd kind of caught some fire. Yeah, but then Brady went and lit him up with Hogan and Amendola. And then, so, I mean, you know. Say that again? Yeah. When the Falcons crushed Rodgers, then Brady went and lit up that defense, like, what, the week after in the Super Bowl. With just basically Hogan and Amendola and, and, and Edelman. Edelman. So, I mean, the fact, and I'll tell you, I'm pretty sure the Packers at least had Devontae Adams. So, yeah, but I mean, let's say, let's say this. Let's say, let, let's be very, very honest about this. And, and I, I, I don't, I, I want to be honest about this. The Falcons Patriots Super Bowl 100% was luck uh, for the Patriots. And I'm not discrediting, oh, but I'm not saying, and, and I want to preface this. And the reason I want to preface this is I don't, think luck ever discredits a, a title ever because everybody at some point in their title run gets to run into luck you have to it's a, it's just part of the game it's you get a bet you get in any sport a big role Every player sport. steps up uh, you know hurt. an injury happens you know there's a botched play or something that that was what it like there's always mm-hmm. luck involved in a title run so yes. i don't discredit the the patriots win there because I do think it, it's uh, it's a part of the game. Luck is always a part of the game. They were lucky that their offensive coordinator up twenty eight to three in the third quarter decided oh, we're gonna yeah we're gonna continue to keep passing the fucking ball like stupid stupid that like one decision just to play. continue to run would have won them the game and instead yeah. he's going three and out and he's giving the, he's giving Tom Brady the ball back like that is lucky that is lucky in my opinion to have an offensive coordinator who's getting paid millions of dollars to think that way. Because that's their style of play. And it's like, got to be a better game manager than that. And so my opinion, the pe- the Patriots got pretty fucking lucky about that. Um, you know, I that's all I would say there. I'm not trying to discredit Tom Brady's win, but he got a little lucky and he needed it. And that's part of the game. Um, that's all I would say it in the defense of like Aaron, Ro- like of Aaron Rodgers being like, oh, well, Tom Brady did it with scrubs. Tom Brady also with those guys, he knew them very, very well. They and they weren't going deep ever. They were just doing dinking and ducking the whole play. I mean, if you watch them, like go watch if we watch the game back in the second half, I mean, there's a couple of big plays. Like Edelman makes one of those incredible catches, the one that barely that everybody thought dropped it and really he got his hand under it. Remember that remarkable catch deep? But like most of it was dinking and ducking. They were just getting four or five yards of catch, marching their way down, and then every now and then they'd get a big explosive play. And, uh, I mean, it was a good Super Bowl comeback win, but, again, a little lucky with the play calling that was coming at us, uh, the Falcons. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting one. Aaron Rodgers, I think that's that's all I kind of personally had uh, with him is I was just like, man, if you're going to do something like that, like, stay your course. But other than that, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so we can move on a little bit. I think everybody's kind of knows the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Um uh, Somebody else I wanted to talk about 
was uh, Dak Prescott. Um, wanted to talk about like kind of like how we were feeling that he would do this year. Uh, I'll go ahead and start this one. I'll keep it pretty quick. Um, I think we should go ahead and expect from Dak a pretty media like a mediocre season. I don't think he's going to have a season where he's going to have some big fucking numbers. His numbers might look good, but I think he's going to be a little more of a check down, Charlie. And I'm not saying this to be demeaning is as much as he just is coming back from a horrific injury. And generally the timeline you see with horrific injuries, is it's about two years. It's one year for like the actual healing and the rehabbing. And then you get about another year of that mental and the confidence of that working on that injury, planting hard on that foot you know, when he's taking off, he, he's not, he's probably going to be a little slower. He's probably going to be a little more conservative when he runs. Um, he might go down in the pocket easier. If people are coming in, you know, he just doesn't want to hurt the, the, uh, the leg. It's very, very common. And I just think, you know, it, it, that's generally where you see is about a two year timeline. Um, I'm not saying Dak. I personally have my feelings in, about Dak, about him as a quarterback as it is, but I think, expect a mediocre season and I don't think you should expect them to wow you. And if anything they have, and the reason also being is like, you look at their old, their O line is a little weaker. They still have not a very good defense and Zekia Elliott, ever since he's got that contract, look at his numbers. He's been producing year in year out after he got that contract, his production has gone down every year. He hasn't gone anywhere up. It's only been South. That's not going to help you when you have a quarterback coming back from a massive injury. Um, you know, other than CD lamb, I don't think miles Austin, and I don't think he's there any this year. He might be, if I, uh, remember correctly, but he's really only good offensively at home. Um, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. I don't know. I said miles Austin. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I, so I just, that's my personal opinion on him. Um, I, I just don't think if you're expecting a, a big, big, uh, output this year, uh, I would hold your breath on it. That's kind of what I would think right now. So I think you make a lot of valid points about Dak coming back off the injury. Would you put a number on what you think his his numbers will be? Like yards, touchdowns? I think it, I think his stats, I think it might be one of those seasons where his stats are going to look better than it actually was, you know? And I think a lot of it is going to be because he's going to be doing a lot of check down stuff. He might be doing the shorter routes. So his completion percentage might be good and his total yards might be decent, which that's also a Mike McCarthy offense. I feel like, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went over 3000 yards. Um, also just in this day and age, like 3000 yards for a quarterback. 3000 yards is really not a lot, like much for a quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. Like 3000 is not incredibly uncommon. Um, Maybe 3,100, I would say 20. 3,100 yards receiving or uh, passing? He's going to go over 3,100 yards. Well over. I'll say, I'd say 4,000. Do you think he's going to get 4,000 yards? I think, I think he'll go somewhere between 3,800 and 4,000 yards and, so, and 20 something, 25 ish touchdowns, I'll say. I think that's exactly where he should be. What did, uh, Hold on. I want to look up something real quick. Well, I'll far. kind of get my, get my piece. Yeah, yeah, do your – So, do so, your... I, so I feel like that's exactly where Dak should be. Dak should not be throwing the ball over 30 times a game. And I think Dak is most productive when he is, you know, 
secondary to the running game. I think that the Cowboys overpaid for Dak. I think Dak is, you know, more of a Kirk Cousins level quarterback, just a little bit above him. I'd probably say, you know, in terms of quarterback, Dak's going to be like the top 15 somewhere. That's where I'd say he is as a quarterback. Um, but I think that the Dallas Cowboys thrive most successfully when their running game is their focal point. Now, I know that we said Ezekiel Elliott's been on the downturn, but last year, the last two years, he's played with an injured offensive line, especially last year. Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Tyre Martin, like, were all out basically the entirety of the year. So that's three Pro Bowl caliber, like, guards out. They lost their Hall of Fame level center. So, you know, it was, you know, they're reworking their offensive line. I think the key to Dallas is their offensive line and their offensive line remaining healthy because if that works, then I think, you know, Ezekiel Elliott will be the focal point and Dak will thrive being a secondary component to that. And I think that's where he should be. Dak gets a lot of yards and he's gotten a lot of yards, you know, from garbage time touchdowns where they're down by a lot of points. And I think Dak has thrived in situations where, you know, the ball doesn't need to be in his hands. He can make a play. And, you know, but, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard combination, I think is going to be the focal point of their offense. I think that uh, their receiving core is loaded on paper. If you look at, I think CD Lamb's going to end up becoming, you know, the X receiver. I think he's going to become their number one. And I think Amari Cooper is going to be their number two. I think that's, he's going to be an overpaid number two, but that's what he's going to be. I I think that's, I think that's how they're successful there. Um, Their defense is a question mark. They're loaded at the backer position. Um, a lot of question marks on the D line. A lot of a lot of question marks in their D backfield. You know they have a I think you know Hooker who came from the the Colts. He was drafted out of Ohio State first round pick. He's, he ruptured his Achilles. He's like his rookie year, so he's, he's been injured. They got a guy named uh, Keanu, not Keanu, maybe Keanu Neal. He's from the Falcons. He's from Florida. He's a Gator. He, he was a first round. Yeah, I know pick. who he is. I think he tore his knee up twice. Yeah. So he's not, he's, he's going to be more of a run stopper now as much than right. he's, he's, like a, he's like a box safety. So I think the Cowboys are good on paper, but I, like I said, Dak, I think is entirely reliant on the run game and if the run game thrives, then he will thrive. And if but that's it my point is I don't think Zeke is there anymore. And I don't think your O-line <laughs> while might, might be hurt. Your O-line still older. They're an older O-line. Th- Zach Martin's only 30. But that's uh, one out Ty- of five Ty- people. Tyron Smith is 32. Um, Lyle Collins is early, like late 20s, 28. So like they have a young offensive line, like in terms of age, by injury, maybe not. I'll give you that. Especially Tyron Smith. His back and, looks like a just like a creaky old beach chair. That, that he's you know, only really now and just to let you know, Dak uh, Dak Prescott's only gone over 4,000 yards once. Now it's two years ago. He almost had 5,000 yards. Uh, fair, fair enough. But I think coming back from an injury and with Zeke's performance going down, I don't think you're going to have the numbers that you think. I think it's going to be similar. I'll give you 3,100, terrible, uh, a terrible uh, guess, uh, guesstimation. Um, Do you want to know what Dak was on pace to throw before he hurt, before he broke his, his ankle? Yeah, he was doing pretty good. He was at 1,800 Six, yards through five 67, games. he was at on pace at over 6,700 yards. Wasn't going to happen, and we know that. 6,700, a pace is one thing, but actually doing that, that would be unheard of, 6,700 yards. I mean, and I you think know that, and you I mean, know He would have broke the record. I think he would have broke the passing record, the yardage record. I don't think so. Because they would have been – they were down in so many games. Their defense was terrible. They would have needed it. And that's, like, the, not the DAC you need, like a ball-controlling offense 
where Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are the focal point. And I think you'll but see. But again, if you have that, if you have that, he's not going to be throwing for six thousand yards. Like you do need that. You need that from Dak. Like I agree with the best way Dak is is if he's more of a game manager. But if that happens, he's not going to be gunslinging. He's not going to be getting 4,500 yards. He shouldn't be. Now, I think, to me, a fair estimation of what we're going to be seeing is going to be closer to what he did in his third season, where he had 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, four and eight picks. I think that's – and the reason I think his stats are going to be lower, again, coming from the injury, the confidence, being able to snap the ball the way he needs to off of that leg, being able to scramble a little more, not go down easy in the pocket – um, also with the benefit of needing Zeke to help him out a little bit more, he is, I feel like, and should be reliant a little more on the run game. Is that going to happen? I don't know. That's why I don't think he's going to, he's going to have an incredible year. I will, I will go ahead and retract my statement. 3,100 yards retarded. That was retarded, but I think 3,700, 3,800 yards this year. I think that's fair. How, how, what does that look like? To me, statistically, in the NFL nowadays, that's more run-of-the-mill quarterback. Is that's what he yards, is. Which, which is, is what he is. And that's where I was going to say that's my statement of him as a quarterback as a whole. Is he's a run-of-the-mill. I think he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback in the league. In you know what? Opinion. I think that's exactly what Dak needs. Dak needs to be the best version of that. He doesn't need to try and, like, you know, overpower the offense and try to throw the ball 50 times a game. He needs to be the best version of that, you know run the ball first, regardless of who it is, Zeke, Tony Pollard, and play off of that. And I think that's a good – and I think, you know, if he does that successfully, then the Cowboys will have a chance. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, my notes. All right, so another one, staying in the same division, but talking somewhat, uh, talking about two players who we've had a little conversation about, but wanted to do the whole Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz breakdown. Um. So for me personally, uh, it did look like going into the offseason, this was actually going to be a win for the Eagles. Carson Wentz got hurt. Uh, He's looking now to be back by week one, which is good. But I do worry because I am I'm one of those people who is always like, why are we taking why are we I don't like players who come back from an injury too soon. I don't like that. I don't like rushing players back because generally when you see that, something else happens that gets them to ne- their next injuries even worse. And then they're out even longer. Uh, I so I'm always, is some, I think a foot is something that re-breaks easily too, especially in yeah, something like football. Especially, and especially exactly something in football where you're planning all the time, you're cutting, you're putting a lot of pressure and torque onto those, those muscles um, and tendons. So it's, I, I agree. So that's where I would have been like, Hey man, like you don't have to rush them back, but, He wants to play, he wants to play. Now, if he gets hurt again, I think it's going to be worse. Um, And it could be something where, because he's overcorrecting to keep the injury from bothering him, maybe this time it's because of the overcorrecting. And, uh, you know, it's not your foot. It's now your knee's going. And he's re-injuring a knee or maybe he tears his Achilles or something. And it's something worse. Not wishing it, obviously. I personally wish that Carson Wentz has an MVP season and he kind of does a double bird to the Eagles. But, um, you know, I'll give my honest opinion of Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's a quarterback to lead you to a title. Now, that being said, I do like Jalen Hurts, the person. Everything that I've read, everything that I've seen from him and, uh, you know, and from the Eagles organization about him, 
He's a workhorse. He's always in the gym. He's always trying to grind it and be, uh, become a better player. He's doing all the things you want, you hear that you want in a player. Um, he's a great locker room guy from what I've heard. The players love him. Um, and he's, you know, just a good, good person overall, which is what I you hear want. he's doing well in camp. I hear he's yeah. doing really well in camp. And I, and I hope he, I hope he does well. I just am not convinced on him as a talent at quarterback, but I hope he does well, obviously, because he, I don't, I would be even more pissed off if like Jalen hurts was also a shape person, but he does everything that you want in a player. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not convinced of his raw overall talent is good enough to make him something that's going to get him like a super bowl and carry a team to the super bowl. Um, but I like him. I think he's a good guy and I will be rooting for him obviously. And being an Eagles fan, obviously. Um, but that's just my honest take of him. Um, but I, I don't expect, I don't expect a lot from, from him this year. Um, which I think could also be better for me as an Eagles fan, because if I don't expect a lot and we go nine and eight this year, which I think is somewhat possible, I would be very, very happy with that season. So, I mean, Starting with Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen Hurts, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think, you know, I, you don't really have much on him other than what you can look at, like what he did in college. And so in college, you know, he was a guy who didn't turn the ball over much at all. You know, middle of the road passer at best, like an average of, like, you know, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, yeah. like three interceptions. But he'd run for close to 1,000 yards. And his last year in Oklahoma, he goes for about, 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, and then runs for another 20. And so I think that's the type of player that Jalen Hurts needs to be to be successful. It needs to, I think it needs to be a combination of his running and his throwing. Which but doesn't work in the NFL, though. But um, I don't think it needs to be, like, you know, a design. And I don't think it needs to be something near Lamar Jackson because I don't think he's as fast where it's like you want him running the ball 15 times a game. But, you know, around the goal line, running like an option or an option read with Jalen Hurts, is an effective type of thing because because of how he's able to use his legs. I think that adds an extra element to the Eagles. That would be, you know, that's the way he's going to be most successful. And I think the Eagles kind of drafted him behind Wentz because they saw that playmaking ability. It was kind of similar to what Carson did, where Carson moved around a lot when he was young as a rookie. And and I think that they had him there because, you know, it's obvious that Carson Wentz, three pro. And so I understand the movement. I, I don't really know, you know, what kind of happened like during the season. I really think it was kind of like a media driven thing where, you know, it started becoming like a kind of an anti went sentiment. And, you know, like the push for Jalen Hurts just kind of mounted. Uh, it seems like there's kind of some dysfunction there in that in that front office ownership in terms of in terms of the Eagles. And so I think that really kind of made the situation muddy and, and kind of mishandled it because like, Let's look at Carson Wentz's last year in Philly. He was he was hurt. Like I mean, or not he was hurt. His, whole, his offensive line was was you his know. Whole offense line was hurt. He was playing with practice squad receivers, and he had a practice squad DBs on the mm-hmm. other end. And then let's look at what he did. You know, the years prior. I mean, he went his the year after he hurt his knee. He went twenty one touchdowns, seven interceptions, and then broke a, I think a vertebrae in his back. Not a, yeah. And, and he then carried the us year, to the playoffs again with practice squad receivers. The following year, and then went 27 and seven, like yeah. with literally, like you said, practice squad players. And so, you know, I think, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles general management missed on some players, blatantly Justin Jefferson, I think, in my blatantly. opinion, like would have been blatantly, blatantly missed. 
with Justin Jefferson. And I mean, I, I'm not trying to like put down Jalen Rager because he might turn out to be okay, but like he didn't surround him with enough players. Like, I mean, and I think, you know, that got in his head. And so I think that was a mishandled situation. I think, you know, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis is going to be, I think it's going to be good for him. I think, you know, Frank Reich will work great with him. I think again, he, yeah. he has a great offensive line in front of him again. Like he did when he, it's, you know, it's perfectly set up where he has, I mean, now he has an even better running game. The combination of Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor is going to be great. He has a budding star, Michael Pittman, a veteran receiver, and T.Y. Hilton, good wide uh, tight end game. They have a great defense. So, you know, I think he can even take his time coming back. You know, and take, a weaker division, if I do Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely terrible division. I don't even think yeah. the Titans are going to be that great. And we can talk about that in a little. But, you know, I think that um, he could take his time coming back. He could come back, you know, week two, week three. And I think the Colts would still be in good position. And uh, I think that he'll thrive in that situation where, again, kind of similar to us with Dak, it'll be a run first thing where you're, the, the run game is the focal point. Let's play off that. Let's get some momentum. And then from there, I'm sure Carson Wentz, you know, we will start to see the reason why he was an MVP candidate, why he was a second pick in the draft. And yeah. that's, what I, that's what I think about the situation. Um. I agree. I, I, I think that's a, I think those are all very good points. Um, I, I really have nothing else to add on to that. Um, I think you and I are probably seeing that pretty similarly. Um, you know, so we'll move on to the AFC. We'll, we'll continue with some of the player talk. Um, we can stick with, I think I took four players that I specifically wanted to talk about in the AFC that I feel like would be interesting to talk about. Uh, two of which are rookies, one of which is, I believe, a second or third year player, uh, but and then the other two are second year players. Um, I think the first one we can talk about. Let's just talk about the Jets organization in a whole um, with drafting Zach Wilson. Uh, I'm actually just curious your thoughts on Zach Wilson because I definitely have mine, and I don't think they're like uh, mind blowing with what my expectations are of him. Um, but I don't think he's going to be terrible, but I'd be interested in seeing your thoughts on him. So, I mean, let's start with Zach Wilson, you know, as a player in college, I think he went, you know, somewhere around 19 and nine at BYU, a school that isn't playing a lot of big powerhouses. I think if you look at his, his games against, you know, the big boys, like the big schools, like the USC's of the world, he had a conference games where he was playing big name schools, you know, 500 under 500, more interceptions than touchdowns, you know, and that, I guess at like, you know, above average competition where like, he, you know, the NFL caliber type players, he was average. Um, I'm not really sure where the hype was generated from, because again, if you look at the teams that BYU played this past season, they played one against Coastal Carolina, who like actually like, you know, gave them like a, like a fight back. Carolina is pretty good. Yeah. And they were They're good. a good small team. And, and, and you know, he looked average in that game. And so I think when you bring him into a Jets organization, you need someone who can, you know, has been in that spotlight, who has an experience against those caliber players. And I don't know, the pressure in New York, I just think it's a lot on Zach Wilson. I'm not really sure how he's going to handle it. I think he's in a tough division with three great defensive coaches and Brian Flores, Bill Belichick, um, and Sean McDermott in Buffalo. And so I think when you combine that with the personnel that's around him, um, you know, the kind of the dysfunction that is the Jets organization. Um, it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be a tough go for him, and that media does not play. And so I think if it's a rough start, which I think it will be, um, I don't know how long they stay with him, especially if, if he looks, you know, like a fish out of water. He's not the biggest guy. 
probably about six, you know, six foot, six one. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how players like Corey Davis work around him. I hear that they drafted a guy named Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, mm-hmm. who's killing it. He's supposed to be like the next like star. So you know, they got him. You got Jamison Crowder. I think they have Tevin Coleman as a running back. Um, their offensive line needs work. I know they got you know Elijah Very Tucker from USC. And they got Makai Becton, who people were saying, you know, are, is going to be a Pro Bowl left tackle. So I think, you know, they're, they're a rebuilding team. I just don't know how patient, you, you know, the New York media is. Um, but, you know, the play of the Giants quarterback might allow them to be a little more patient just because, you know, two competing New York teams um, type of thing. But, um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on Zach Wilson. Uh, don't have high expectations for him. Um but you know, we'll I, see. Think he's gonna, I think he's gonna have a very average year. I'm gonna be honest. I think he's gonna be that. I'm gonna say 2,800 because of the, the O line, 2,800 to 3,200 yards um, this year. Um, and the reason I say that is because their O line's bad. I don't really think they have like incredible weapons. They're also a very poorly run organization, but I would expect like. 18, 19 touchdowns, maybe 14 picks. He's going to be a rookie. He's going to, he's going to, yeah. Um, I think that's really bad in the preseason. He hasn't looked bad. And and that's where I think where you were saying, I don't understand where I think the reason teams were kind of high on him, particularly the Jets, is his ability to ad lib a play. He's very good of like getting out of the pocket and just kind of extending plays, kind of like that Russell, uh, Russell Wilson, where he, he's pretty good with his feet moving outside the pocket. Um, and I think that's what they like now to play devil's advocate on how he was in college. I always think that's a bit of an unfair argument because it's like in college, the level of play is so much different when you go from like a mid-major team to playing an sec team where their overall talent is just going to be so much better where in the Mm -hmm. NFL, any given Sunday, right? That old saying like any given Sunday, you could lose to any team in the NFL, doesn't matter. There doesn't matter if they were one in 15 or, you know, they're zero in 10 and they're playing you like they still have the ability to beat you because it's the NFL where college, it's more than likely where if you're BYU going up against Alabama, eight out of 10 times, you're losing that. And that's just 10, 10 out of 10. Well, just for, you know, sake argument thing. It's like, you're going to mm-hmm. lose that. Like you may get lucky once, but like you're, you're generally going to lose that all the time. You know, it's, there's never like really any other given thought to it. Um, and it's like, you know, you got five-star athletes going against two and maybe three-star athletes, just different, different breed, you know, uh, you got maybe a BYU one offensive lineman who's going pro and that whole D line in Alabama is going pro. <laughs> so yeah, but like, we're talking about even teams like Coastal Carolina who are like getting like the same kind of recruiting base. You're talking about teams who are just giving them. But a those guys back. are you got you get a lot of veteranality with those smaller teams. I the reason I I it's different where it's like because I, I see these teams play all the time because my dad's a big App State fan, so it's like I know these smaller teams a little better. But you get a lot of these guys who they maybe know they're not going pro. So it's, it's different team ball. It's not like where you can just rely on your heavy stars to kind of get it done. You get good pro schemes going. Cause you got Alabama. And Saban. They're very, team. very team-based organizations. So mm. then, you know, your, your whole team could be fucking seniors on defense. They've played four fucking years with each other. They know each other really well. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a lot of returning players. 
So you get a different team element there than you do against those big ass teams. Right. Where a lot of these players, maybe they're redshirt sophomores, so they get to leave after that year. Or they're a junior and you know they're gone. But it doesn't matter because they have a sophomore linebacker behind him who's going to play one year next year and also go pro. So it's just a little different to be able to rely on play like team-wise. But I don't disagree that I think he's going to struggle. I definitely think he's going to struggle, and the New York media will be something. Uh, Maybe Danny Dimes being a little later in his career and not being a rookie gets more of the attention from the media because they're going to be busy scrutinizing him. Um, I, I think he, it's interesting with him, Zach Wilson. I, I, I've been watching highlights of him in preseason. I'm like, he's either, I think his ceiling is. Drew Brees. Ooh, I don't know that I'd go that high, but I would, I was going to say like, like high, a, I think like height comparison, you know, like who he looks like. Oh, we, if you're going on that comp. Yeah. But I think he's going to be. I would say the player people thought Johnny Manziel was going to be somebody who yeah. can extend plays. He's going to be able to make big plays when he needs to, but is he going to be able to stay in the pocket, which in the like NFL a poor is man's huge. Russell, probably like a poor man's Russell yeah. Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can see it. I mean, like I said, be I, a really good game manager. If you, you learn know, that, like if that, pot- if that Elijah, if that Elijah Tucker player turns out to be the player that everyone's, He's a guard at a USC that they drafted, and mm-hmm. you know, tie back to him as a player that everyone was saying he is. I mean, he's got a solidified backside, you know, blindside in yeah. terms of line talent. So I just think it's going to take time and patience with the Jets. Um, I mean, I would not expect them to be competitive, and I don't think anyone yeah. does. So you know, low expectations for them. I think um, if you get three wins in. this year out of the Jets. That's a big deal. Yeah, I'm opinion. thinking about, I think three and 13 sounds about right for the Jets. Yeah, three, truthfully. four wins, something like that. Like, if you mm-hmm. can get three or four wins, I think the Jets, you should be pretty happy with that season. And that's my opinion. Very true. Um, we can go on to a bigger guy, uh, Trevor Lawrence, big stud. Mm-hmm. Um, so, personally, for me, I think you're going to see a pretty awful stat season out of Trevor Lawrence, but I think it's going to be different. And I think it's going to be more of the Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck thing where Mm -hmm. you got a guy who's a super talent. And so they're going to treat him as so, and you're going to be seeing a rookie quarterback going through all of his reads where your your typical rookie quarterback. They're like, Hey, look at your first read. If he's not there, check down. Uh, That's generally what you see, like what they did with Robert Griffin, the third, you know, you get these guys where it's like one, maybe two looks, where I think he's going to throw a lot of picks this year, Trevor Lawrence. I do think so. I think you should be looking at like a 500 touchdown to interception ratio for him. But I think they're also going to give him so much more room to like, they're going to treat him like he's fourth year, fifth year in this in the NFL. And it's going to be that Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck thing where when they were rookies, like you go look at their stats, they were good, but they were like, they also had a lot of mistakes, but they were also being like, hey, we know who you are go through all of your reads practice, like get st- keep doing that. Like there, and you're going to make mistakes. We understand that, but you're also a rookie. So it's like, you're only going to get better with it. And he's more of a phenom. So his reads are just going to be so much different than what uh, another, you know, rookie quarterback will be doing in my opinion. So I, I think that's why you could be looking at like a, a high poor, like high poor stats. Like you might get a lot of yards. You might even throw 20 touchdowns, but he might throw 18 picks, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, I think that's a good. I think that's a good estimate about Trevor Lawrence. You know, I see him. 
I think he'll be good. I think he'll show flashes that he's going to be a good quarterback. I think that Jacksonville is going to be actually a fun, bad team to watch. I think they'll be somewhere around the five, six win range. I think that they have a lot lot of underrated talent in terms of like skill position players. You got Travis Etienne, um, who they drafted in the first round this year. They got James Robinson, who was an undrafted rookie, who was, you know, the fifth ranked rusher in the NFL last year, like kind of of out of nowhere. Um, They have LaVishka Chanel, who was a, you know, a second round receiver they drafted. They have uh, DJ Chark out of LSU, who's been a good receiver for them. Um, I think that they have offensive weapons around Trevor where I think they're going to be competitive. You know, they built out their offensive line. They have a couple first-round picks. I think a, a, a guy by the last name of Taylor out of Florida. He's a left tackle there. You know, they got a guy from, uh, you know, Alex Robinson is a, uh, a first pick in the – or like a second pick in the draft out of Bama. They got another tackle. So, you know, they have good pieces. Um, you know, I think that they'll be competitive. I don't think you should expect them to be great. And a good coach. I, Good, well, we'll see what Urban Meyer is, I think. And they, you know, he that's, dra- fair. He, that's fair. And, and I think, you know, give Urban, Urban's got an advantage in that he's been recruiting a lot of the players who are going to be coming out of the draft in the next two to three years. So he knows everything about everybody coming out. So I, I'm very curious to see how his draft picks play out. I'm very interested to see Jacksonville kind of employ like a two running back system, which I think they're going to do where they're going to have Robinson and ETN running a lot. And so I think, you know, if they can get that going, you know, I think Trevor, in like what she said, you know, somewhere around high 3,800 3, yards passing, somewhere in the, in the mid to mid-20s passing touchdowns, I would say somewhere around 15 to 18 interceptions. Uh, I think that would be a good rookie year for him. Yeah. Um, and, I, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, he's going to show signs that he's going to be a great quarterback if you give him the right structure. I 100% agree. I think you can see, yeah. He can make all the throws, all of them. His command of the offense. And what the one thing that's underrated is, you know, he's been the face of a program for for four years, where, or for three years, where, you know, he's coming to the podium every week and it's like, he's the guy. The question is for Trevor. Trevor, what are you going to do this week? And so, you know, when you you become, you know, the first pick in the draft, you have that experience when you're like the face of a major college program like Clemson where you're playing for national championships and you're playing in big bowl games. Like he's the guy that the press is talking to. So yeah. I think that, I think, I think he's built for it. I think he's going to be great. Um, I think it's going to take time. I don't think you should have high expectations of his Super Bowl or playoffs, but Jacksonville is going to be a competitive team. And in that division, I think they'll be able to pull out some wins. Yeah, I agree. I, and this might be sound like a weird point, but I like that he's married because it's like, to me that to to add because to me that adds on in a deeper perspective to what you're saying is he gets it like he's this is a dude he's got who's family. got he doesn't have dis- distractions in his life you know yeah he's got what he wants and his focus now is just football it's football yeah he, agree, that's all agree. he is and he's just mm-hmm. all about the work um mm-hmm. and I I want to piggyback off your point that I think you said earlier that was really good actually I know you said it earlier um that they're going to be a very fun bad team to watch five and six I think a great comparison is last year's Bengals. Think about all their games that were entertaining. I think you're going to see games where Trevor's going to have two immaculate throws, and you're going to be like, wow, this kid is good, man. And then he's probably going to lose you the game, and he's going to throw a late-time pick in that same game, and that's how you lose. But you're like, you, you, all you have to remember is he's a rookie, and then you go back and you rewatch the tape, and you're going to be like, those two throws he made in the second and third quarter Nobody on the third make. and eight, we got a star, man. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he lost us the game, but he's a rookie. Of course he's going to. Like, exactly. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I 100% agree with your analysis of him. I, I think uh, he's going to be a very interesting one. And here's the other thing that's underrated about him too, man. He's a big fucking boy. 6'5". He is a big fucking boy, man. He, he's going to be hard to tackle. Um, I do worry about what is it going to be, his knees. I think, I feel like, I feel like a quarterback every now and then, like especially these taller guys, something always happens. He can move though. He can move a lot. So I think I think I agree, but I just get worried. I think it's more of the size and like where people are going to be tackling on him, Um, and that's where because he's so tall, like where it might be on a six three quarterback is going to be a little lower on a six five quarterback. And Mm. you know, I feel like I just feel like of recent and last five years, we've been seeing a lot of knee injuries in quarterbacks. Now he could be like Justin Hibbert, who also is in like a very good comp as uh, a big guy with a cannon, but mobile. You know, very he could be fine. Comp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this next one will be a little, a little um shorter, but I want to talk about Tua. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very high on Tua, uh, stats wise. I just don't know that he's that good of a, he, which is kind of like what worries me about Jalen Hurts. Now I think Jalen Hurts might be a better of a workhorse than Tua, but it's pretty similar to my worry about Jalen Hurts is that he's that quarterback is just not very successful. I don't think he's got a great arm. He's more of a mobile quarterback. Um, I don't really have confidence in him making all of the reads. Uh, and I, I do think, which we'll get into later when we're breaking down the uh, the divisions and the AFC is I think he's going to be the downfall of, of the Dolphins this year. I do. I think he's going to be. I think that's why the Dolphins, while I think could be set up to be a decent team, the lack of a quarterback, which is just so crucial in the NFL, I think depending on Tua to do it, I don't think you're going to be as good as you sh- as your team and your roster will, will like would allow. Well, I'm the, I completely disagree. I think, you know, I'm not going to say Tua is the cure-all and all quarterback, but I think we need to look at some things in perspective. So if we look at Tua's first year in the NFL, he started 10 games. The Dolphins went uh, six or he went six and three in those 10 games that he started. Mm-hmm. And he threw 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. And I'm pretty sure that he threw three or four of them in the last game against Buffalo. Uh, I think another thing we have to consider is, is that Tua was coming, you know, less than a year removed from when he dislocated his hip, you know, and had like, you know, major surgery in regards to that. He didn't have an NFL offseason because of COVID and even admitted that, you know, he really didn't fully understand the Dolphins playbook at the time. I think now, you know, a year in that system, I think, you know, you have to consider that they brought in Jalen Waddle. They have Will Fuller, they have Devontae Parker, they have Mike Kosicki, who is, in my opinion, a top 10 tight end. In Very the NFL. good tight end. Man's got super, super athletic. You can dunk a basketball like as a stud. I think, you know, with the weapons they have around him, I, he should be better. And if he's and you know, a lot of the doubters have their doubts about him. Well, I think this year we're going to find out. And then the thing that hurts Tua is, is the Dolphins don't really have much of a running game. They don't really have much, like a notable running back. They don't have anyone and they can turn and give the ball to, it's, you know, 25 times a game. And I think if you really want Tua to thrive, like with all those weapons around him, you need to have that kind of element. Because I think an element that's surrounded around him now for the Dolphins' offense to be successful, too, has got to be distributing the football to all of these players. And I guess we're going to find out if he can. I don't think he performed terribly given his circumstance, given what he had to deal with. 
Um, you know, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, and, and, and nine starts or 10 starts is, you know, pretty good for a rookie quarterback. Um, especially if you look at going into the last game, he had probably about nine touchdowns to one or two interceptions. So, but still had to get benched, and it wasn't just in one game, multiple games. He got benched and switched in for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, to your argument, to I, I like, yes, those could be things for the reasons you listed. Now, I don't disagree. This is his proving year. You had a year to learn your playbook. I personally think that's a terrible excuse. I, I was confused on the playbook. You don't need a fucking offseason to be familiar with the playbook. Like, you, all you got to do is read your fucking playbook. That's that's a lack of that's a mental that's a lack of mental preparation in my opinion. But sure, that happens with rookies. You can give them the the pass on that. You have another system. You better fucking know your playbook this year. You better know it this year. You do, and that's why I was saying is like I think their record is going to be worse than their roster should be saying because of the players and the weapons you listed. I think they got a good roster, and I like their they coach. Have, they have a great roster. And I think they have, they have a very good coach. Very good um, coach. Probably the Which only is like check assistant that like is actually going to work as a coach. Yeah, and I I think it's going to come down to how well does how well does he do because that's where the success in the team is going to be. I know you can make that mm-hmm. argument about all the quarterbacks on any team, it's, sure, but like they have the roster to be a playoff team <clears throat> this year if Tua does well. Mm-hmm. Where you, most of these arguments you can go is like even if your quarterback does well, you're still a middle of the pack team, you know, or at best um where with him like it, it's really dependent on them because they have mm-hmm. they have the talent they have the pa- they have the paper roster that you want so it, it does come down to him I, I guess i'm just not very high on him because i thought last year it just was a bad showing um but yeah uh, i guess that's kind of all my thoughts on Tua. um next guy is your boy joe burrow um I'll let you take this one first. You go. You go first. I know. I know you really love him. Um, given that he's coming back from injury this year, I uh, just really talk about like what you kind of expect from him, uh, what you think he's going to do, and uh, et cetera. You know, it's funny you say that. I'm actually not a Joe Burrow fan. I actually rooted really? against. Joe, I rooted against Joe Burrow a lot of times. They played Texas. I think at the beginning of the year, I rooted against him. Then, uh, you know, I, I was kind of indifferent on the Alabama thing. I always found myself rooting against LSU. I think they played Georgia in the SEC Championship. I wanted Georgia to win. So I always rooted against Joe Burrow. I don't really know why. It's not like I had anything against him. Uh, definitely was impressive what he did as a rookie. I mean, you know, he just had reconstructive knee surgery. I'm pretty sure he had the same injury that AP had where he tore his ACL and his MCL. Yeah. So, you know, total reconstruction of the knee. Um, I will say, I think the Bengals are kind of going to be like a Jaguars team where they're going to be fun to watch. Like they have offensive weapons everywhere. Like people like T Higgins, um, Tyler Boyd is a very slept on receiver. I think he's had a thousand yards at least the last two years. Uh, you have, uh, Joe Mixon, who is, you know, a top 10 running back, but their biggest, their biggest hole is their offensive catch. He's big. He's like Le'Veon Bell. People don't yeah. understand. He's like he's like six one two thirty. I've never really realized that until I looked him up. But um, you know, good skill position players. I heard Jamar Chase is struggling in camp though, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but I think you know they have an offense built around him to be successful and to distribute. Now is he going to be upright? That's the question. I think Joe Burrow's good in situations where, you know, he's taking a snap and making quick throws, quick reads. He can get the ball down the field. I don't think his injury is going to impact that much. I think it's going to be, you know, can he be protected? 
I know they've drafted two tackles. I think that Jonah Williams went out of Alabama has, you know, either played the season or has yet to play. So um, I would say Joe Burrow's season is predicated on how how well he's protected because he has a skill position players there. And he shows that he's shown that he can make the throws. Now, I'm going to put a number on it. Again, I'd probably say somewhere uh, somewhere in the 4,000 ballpark, not 4,000 exactly, where, you know, right below it, right below the threshold. Um, again, I could see him going for maybe like 27 touchdowns, 12 or 13 interceptions, somewhere in that ballpark. Kind of what my prediction for Joe Burrow is, I think, is that that Zach Taylor coach isn't going to be the one. I think they're going to try and go get Joe Brady, the guy from uh, the Panthers. And then they're going to try and make him his head coach because they, they worked together at LSU. That was the combination that uh, won the natty for LSU. See, I, uh, I think that's going to be – that's an interesting take. Um, I do think his – the reason I don't think his injury will also affect him too much is it's not like Dak where Dak's a little older and you got to deal with that confidence thing. I think Dak, too, for Dak to be successful, Dak is – there's an element to his game where he runs the ball. And that's what makes him, you know, kind of like a weapon. And that's not Joe Burrow's game at all. Right. Well, I mean, Joe Burrow has the ability to scramble. It's how he busts right. his knee. <laughs> um, running around for sure. Yeah. And like, I, I think Joe Burrow, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's a good talent. Um, I don't want them again to go back to the injury thing. I think him being younger, that mental thing might not fully be there because when you're younger, you can kind of just, people just kind of snap out of it really quick. Where Dak being a little older, he might be a little more tentative with his injury. Um, but what I will more importantly say about, uh, him is I don't like that. He's like, he's reports coming out that he's almost a hundred percent and he might be back. He's going to play league one, which I think is stupid. I think it's stupid. I think he Mm -hmm. needs to, I think kind of what you said about Carson Wentz, let him be week two, three, same with Dak Pre or same with Joe Burrow. Have him come back week three or four. What's the rush in bringing him back? You're not going to the playoffs this year. You got, you're in a very good division. Like, what are you? what are you rushing him back for? So you can go seven and 10. Like exactly like there should be no rush on him coming back when he just had basic total re uh, reconstructive knee surgery. There's, there's Precisely. no need for him to be back week one. Um, let your offense get in, you know, into a rhythm. Then you can bring him back, finish out the year. He plays maybe 13, 14 games. That that's just my opinion of it. Um, I, I would hate to see him come back week one and he's not actually hundred percent. And then he's tentative throughout the whole year. Um, so, you know, that I think he's going to be a good, I think he's going to be very, I think the Bengals are gonna be a very similar team to last year. Good, but fun to watch. I agree with that. They definitely need help defensively. Um, I don't think they're a terrible defensive team, but they're not great. They've got safety in um, Jesse Bates. They lost that guy, William Jackson, the second to the Redskins. That was a huge loss. He's like a baller. Yeah, so, I, that, I don't think they – I think they have defensive holes, and that's where they're going to have some problems. Um, but moving on, um, let's go ahead. We're going to break down every division in the uh, AFC starting out. Um, let's start out with uh, the AFC South. What do you think about that? Dive. So, you know – I think that, in my opinion, you know, I'm not on the, I'm not as high on the Titans as a lot of people are. I think you know, everyone the Titans, everyone really ran up about the Titans getting Julio Jones, and they have you know, uh, Tannehill's been great for them, and Derrick Henry's a fucking bulldozer. First off, you know, Derrick Henry had like 
13,000 yards rushing in high school. He's like the all-time leading rusher in high school. Dude, dude has been a machine since he was like in like seventh grade, just yeah. running everybody over. So I do personally, he's just awesome. So, but, um, you know, in terms of the looks of the division, I still think the Colts are going to win. I think the Colts are going to go 10 and 7. They have a brutal first couple of games. I think their first five games is absolutely brutal. Carson Wentz or not, a brutal first five games. So I have them going into 10 and 7. Uh, they have the best roster in the division by far. I think, you know, they have a great team defense and they would head by Darius Leonard. They have, they have two or three corners that they've signed that are pretty solid. Um, and um, I think on offense, they have a great offensive line. You have two good running backs in Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Um, regardless of who that quarterback, I think that's going to be the focal point. Uh, I like Michael Pittman. I think he's going to be a stud for them. T.Y. Hilton, you got Pascal out in the slot. You Paris Campbell at receiver. Um, you know, it seems as though Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are going to be back, you know, week one, week two. Uh, so I like the Colts to win the division. I have the Titans at nine and eight. You know, they lost their offensive coordinator who had a, who had a big role in their success. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that Titans continually refuse to address is their defensive backfield and their pass rush. And so I think that's that's kind of been their Achilles heel. I think they'll be a fun team to watch. I think that they're going to be in a lot of tough games. Uh, and I think, you know, as a result, I got them at nine and eight. Uh, I think, you know, how long can Derrick Henry keep building them to the playoffs? And then, you know, look, we talked about Jackson, Jacksonville. You know, I, I see them around five or six wins. Fun to watch. Trevor Lawrence will show us that he's, you know, the talent that he has. I think that they're a young, up-and-coming team, and in a couple of years, they might be someone that's going to be regular, especially in that division. And then in Houston, I just think they're kind of train wreck right now. I think it's obvious. <laughs> just kind of just yeah. a, a tire fire rolling down the hill. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a trash can on fire, just going around. Remember that meme we used to send me? It was Kyle Lowry in the playoffs, and it was a trash can to smoke. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much the Texans. Right yeah, it's the Texans. <laughs> so, I mean, bad roster. So, I just I don't think they're going to be good at all. Three and 14, four and maybe. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 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 I, I honestly am more in the two range, not, you know splitting hairs when you're talking about one win, but yeah, I think they're more of a tune. Well, I mean, when you have a, you know, a, a president of football operations that was previously the Patriots team pastor, like, like literally promoted from team pastor to football, like running the football yeah. operation, that you, you're a clown show. And you got a quarterback who's not in the league anymore. Who's out there getting HJs under the table. So I think he, he like hit his butthole touch. I thought that was the thing. I, I, I'm sure he I'm sure he's mixed in many of things. Anybody who's that openly aggressive on the massage table, he's had some holes filled. I feel bad for his girl because she's like she was like blowing him up. She was like his model, like this model just blows him up. Susan came out like went quiet on him. I feel bad. Deshaun, Deshaun, Makes Deshaun. sense. Makes yeah. sense. Um, especially because he was an a-hole about it from everything I'm hearing too. It wasn't it's like sad. he was like, Hey, can I get one? He was like, No, nah, fucking touch it. <laughs> like you know. Um, I so I only disagree. I do have an asterisk nest to the Colts. Um, I do have them second in the division. I have Titans winning. I think the Titans are gonna be better than nine and eight. I think you got better weapons offensively. Uh, I just think they have a defensive minded coach. Even though you get holes, it's like the 
I, I would compare this to the Eagles. If you have a def- a really good defense coordinator or even a defensive head coach who's like a defensive minded person, they know how to f- they know how to hide your holes in your defense really really well and scheme to make up for that. Um, that's why I think they will be decent. They're going to be fine defensively, not amazing. Um, but they're bringing the in three I- new defensive backs. Three new. They have three new starters at defensive back. But you got a good defensive coach, and I think they'll be fine with that. I think they'll be able to hold that. I think they're going to be a better game-managing offensive team and hope that you don't have your defense on the field as much. Um, Now, that being said, I also think the reason being is there's just that asterisk of Carson Wentz. What's he going to look like? So I could see them being 9-8 and or 12-5. and Like, I I really do. It could go either way with them. Um so I do have them that I do have them second, the Colts with an asterisk. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they won the division. Um, just it, there's to me, there's a little more, there's more stuff floating in the around more variables around them. Right. Um, third, I have Jacksonville, uh, you know, a good, bad team to watch. Um, and then obviously, yeah, nothing else. Is, there's really nothing to say about the Texans. Um, other than that, if you're a Houston Texans fan, like maybe become a, yeah, it's going to be hard times for the next New Orleans. Just, just rock with New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably your best call. Um, I don't see them being very good, but I do see the Titans winning that division. I think they're going to be 11 and six. Um, they just, they, they have the ability to really hold on to that ball, make sure their defense isn't on there. You got great wide receiving talent. I think you really, I think Julio is, which is going to sound weird to say this, is going to be more of your number two. Cause I think AJ Brown is just stud, a stud and he's stud, younger. And I think stud. having Julio on the other side is only going to open up uh, AJ Brown games even more. My only question is Derek Henry's on this long without being on skate. It's impossible. I mean, we know the no running back has never gone this long without getting nicked up, and he's never been nicked up. And I just also, I've never had him. a running back his size. So, what was his name? The guy for the Oilers, um, uh, uh, Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell. Yeah, but he ran motherfuckers over for like eight years. Yeah, Derek's doing the same thing. He's just faster, and so he's different. He's cut different. I just, I mean, I don't want to see it. I want to see him keep doing it. But usually. Running backs, get a shelf life for our as a running back. Just the, the especially amount. going for two thousand. I think the year before he went for like nineteen hundred. So he's got a lot of mileage on him. As last year in Alabama, dude, they were giving the ball forty times a game. So he's got a lot of miles. And, and quarter running backs in general, you you get about a shelf life to about when you're about twenty eight. Everything starts to turn downhill after about twenty eight. You know, I think that the Titans are going to be in shootouts. They're going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to be high energy, high scoring. Like I guarantee, you they average in the mid twenties a game. Oh, I just, I just think that their defense is a lot, like a lot from. If you are a good team like that who can score a bunch of points, you need a good pass rusher, a good defensive back. You know, because teams are going to have to throw against you because you're scoring so much. But I think because of the, because of those holes, that's going to be their Achilles heel. I see them losing a lot of close games. They kind of remind me of like an Atlanta style losing, where it's going to be high energy, it's going to be high scoring. You lose by three at the gun, and that, that's how I see the Titans season going. Yeah, I mean, it, to back your point, they were one of the worst defensive pass uh, passing defenses, uh, like in last in the league, last, yeah, like, second to last. They were. Um, now, when it came to the run. They were also second to last. 
<laughs> I mean, you can run over as many people as you want with Derrick Henry. Like, you got to stop somebody. You're not gonna yeah. Win. That's their um, Achilles heel. Yeah. And, but that's where I think when you have, they added another offensive weapon, I think they're going to, their goal is going to be, you know, is going to be not taking, not having them on the defense as much. Where I have a similar argument where I think about, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, about the Broncos. Um, and why I think the Broncos will be better because I think statistic, we'll get into it later. I don't want to, we'll, we'll mm. get into that later. Uh, but next we got, I think the, and let's save them for a little bit later. Cause I think it'll be a better, more fun, uh, of a division to talk about. Let's do the AFC East. Um, little simpler of a talk right now. I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, we got the AFC East. So for me personally, I think it's no shock to anybody. I think the Buffalo Bills are winning that division. Um, where you can get into a better fun argument is who's taken second in that division, right? You got the, the Patriots and the Dolphins really depending on two in the year that he's having, they could make it second pretty easily. Um, then again, you got Belichick in a, and Cam Newton second year at the helm, um, learns the offense better. Could be a better team. Uh, they're always going to be decent. Last year, what would they go eight and eight, seven and nine, something like that? They weren't they just terrible. went seven and nine last year. Yeah, yeah they weren't and like dude, terrible. They had Cam, Cam was out, but they didn't have a starting quarterback for a bunch of games because he yeah. was out for COVID. But they were so. I mean, they were a playoff caliber team. You know, injuries. Yeah, they, they were injuries. at least a nine and seven team last year. They had a lot of guys hold out for COVID, like a lot of defensive starters. I think at least two or three that are like you know bigger name, like. Uh, uh, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung. I know he's retired now. But, you know, big big name starters have opted to sit out. So, you right. know, they got everybody back. So and I think they're going to be a better team. So me personally, I have, um, I have the Bills winning it, uh, the AFC East. I have them probably going twelve and five. Yeah, uh, I agree completely. I, I think the Pats are going to take second because I trust Bill che- Bill Belichick more than I do uh, Tua at quarterback. Uh, and then I got Miami third. Um, I could see Miami going seven and ten, uh, six and eleven. Um, too, which I think would, they're too good of a roster too. Which, I, but the reason I think they go six and ten, uh, six and eleven, seven and ten, I think those would be disappointing years for them. I'm going to say that too. On top of it, go on, go but I think that's what they pull off. But I think that's what they what they do. Um, and then obviously the Jets, similar to the Texans. A lot of shit going off. I think they're heading in a better direction than the Texans. You got a quarterback now. We'll see how that turns out. Um, but the organization as a whole is not very – they're the Jets organization. It's like, what can you say other than that? Is there the Jets organization? It's really the only argument you need for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's that. that's where I kind of look at the division. I don't think it's going to be as widely competitive. Uh, I think this the it's a battle for second between – uh, the Patriots and uh, the Dolphins. I think that'll be the competitiveness within the division. But as far as taking that top division, no, it's locked up with the Bills. And I think it's the Bills are going to start turning that into a dynasty run too, where they're going to start just winning that division again, like it's the early 90s. Um, so, you know, um, and Josh Allen looking fucking sick with that dark visor. So, <laughs> you know. Got that little look good, play good, feel good, or feel good, play good going on. Um, yeah, I think they're going to be a scary team. I think uh, Josh Allen has only seemed to improve. His throwing has only gotten better over the years. 
Um, they have a good defense, very good defense. Um, and they have weapons offensively. And mm-hmm. him and Stefan Diggs apparently really like each other. They mm-hmm. get along very, very well. Diggs seems like he's a better teammate than he's ever been in his entire life with Buffalo because he just loves the atmosphere. He loves the fans. And he, he likes playing with Josh Allen um, a lot. And mm-hmm. I think they're a scary team to deal with. I think they could really, really challenge the Chiefs. So, yeah, I agree 100%. I think Buffalo, you know, I agree, record 12-5. and five. I think they're a top-four team in the league. They should be contending for the Super Bowl. Definitely the Super Bowl thing. Um, you know, I think the only the question surrounding their team is, you know, they don't really have a, an established running back. You know, they do kind of a, a running back by committee, and that's really not the, the staple of their offense. Uh, their pass rush, you know, they have a good defense, but not like a notable pass rusher. A guy can go and get the quarterback. Uh, like, you know, a locked-in double-digit yeah, yeah. double sack guy. I love Tredavious, but he gets dogged by the ratings. They had him at 95. He's a top three corner in the league, no question. He's an absolute, he's an absolute seatbelt, like just absolutely straps dudes. So I, I love Tredavious White. Um, you know, I like Josh Allen. I think he's doing good, um, especially, you know, but let's just not forget, he's two years removed from people saying he couldn't hit the side of a bar with a football. So I think, you know, let's give him another year. Let's see what happens. You know, he made an, an incredible jump. The last year was, you know, incredible. I think he went from under 50% to close to 70%, you know, so or under under 60% to close to 70%. Like, that's a major jump in NFL numbers. Yeah. Um so, you know, I think another thing, you know, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders will be a big help for Buffalo because now you have Diggs, him, and Cole Beasley. And I think come playoff time, you know, a lot of teams are going to try and take Diggs out of the game. So if you have that number two where you can rely on to go get the ball, I think that's important to have, especially with Buffalo, who's going to rely heavily on throwing the football. So uh, I think Buffalo 12-5, and five, top contender. I would say they're going to be a two-seed in the AFC. Um, I yeah. think that then I have the Dolphins going uh being second at 10 and six like i said before i love their team i think they're loaded on both sides the xavier and howard thing will be interesting because he just requested a trade not too long ago not only the dolphins have to trade him but if they can keep him on board i think that they're going to be solid i think they're going to be they're going to be good why would he request a trade though with a team like that he requested a trade because they gave him a contract that paid like on paper or like, you know, it was like, it was like a whatever year, like 70 something million dollar contract. But I guess, you know, like the language in it, like kind of like screwed him over. And I think he's pissed because he thinks he's like the best quarter. He's definitely a top five quarter in the league. And like Byron Jones getting paid way more than him. So he asked them for like to restructure. They wouldn't restructure him at all. And that. So I think he's just kind of, he kind of signed a shitty deal. He didn't know what he was signing. He posted it on his gram. I think you can see it. Like he kind of explains it. But um, if he stays, I think that they will be solid. I think the two of things going to work out good. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that is very underrated is how the Dolphins play. They're one of the least penalized teams in the league. Like top three. Them, the Patriots, Patriots, I think the Rams. Yeah. That's that Patriots it's mindset. Flores is like a Belichick 2.0, and he actually is like the one assistant who I think is going to be successful. So I think they're well run. I think they're I think they're a good team, and I think you know they have the skill set around two or where they should be successful. So I think the Dolphins will be ten. I think ten and seven. You know, 
Then I got the Patriots at uh, nine and eight. I just think the biggest thing there is their quarterback situation. You know, you don't know who's going to be the quarterback. If it's Mac Jones, it's going to be an adjustment period. It's going to be a lot of dink and dunk either way. Not a lot of vertical threats down the field. Yeah, and, you know, I, of, the thing, said, not a lot of weapons. The thing for me with the Patriots is the two most explosive weapons are probably coming out of the tight end position, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. And I think when you have that, that's good, but you don't have a vertical like threat. You don't have no someone where it's like, it's, it's not a, there's no big play threat down the field. I think they have a stable of running backs. I think they'll be a solid team. They have, they'll have a good defense. Uh, I could see them, you know, being right in the middle of the playoff hunt, but I think nine and eight is kind of where New England falls. And then again, you know, like what we said about the Jets, um, you know, I think their 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 ceiling is five wins. I think you know five around five wins would be like a good season for the Jets. You know, it Zach Wilson, like kind of like what you said. I can see him, you know, showing flashes. Also struggling, not a lot of offensive weapons around him. They're just kind of rebuilding right now. So ceiling for them five, five, five and twelve is what I see for them. All right. I think those are all fair assessments. Um, a little easier of another, a little easier division, but some scrutiny um, that you can, we can kind of. I think there could be disagreements. I also have an asterisk in this division as well. Um, AFC West. Uh, I think it's very clear cut once again who's winning this division. It's going to be the Chiefs. Probably will be Chiefs for some good time to come, unless somehow Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver. But being said, I think Denver is poised to take the second slot. I think Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, uh, I think there's going to be some competitiveness there. I, I, you know, obviously they don't have it settled. Who's going to be their number one. I think right now, Teddy Bridgewater technically sits as the number one on the depth chart. Um, now statistically the Broncos defense is completely underrated. If you go look at their stats, they, they give up like a decent amount on their passing yards, but I think a lot of it is inflated because I also think that, um, they were, yeah, they they were on the field a lot. It's a lot like the Eagles, where they were a defense that was really good. The numbers that they gave up, shit like that, is a bit inflated because they were just on the field for so long. It's like you have a defense that's on the field long enough in the professional setting, they're going to get ripped apart come the fourth quarter, third quarter if they're if they're on the field for too much. Doesn't matter how good your defense is, it's just going to happen. They're going to have a good pass rush. Von Miller, and I would say Von Miller, Bradley Chubb are going to be like a top five pass rushers. And they, got good deep, they got good corners. And here's the thing. If you go look Justin at their draft, Simmons, great safety. Their biggest, their biggest flaw was their run defense last year. And if you go look at what they drafted, they drafted they a big get. safety. They drafted uh, linebackers. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Yeah. So they drafted their second uh, overall pick, or their first pick uh, was a corner, Pat Sertan. Um, oh yeah, stud, stud, stud corner. Stud. Only adding to their DBs. Um, Justin Simmons, a Pro Bowl safety there already. Uh, Baron Browning from Ohio State, linebacker, yeah, so solid, great. And another safety, uh, Caden Stearns from Texas. He's a bit. He's just a bigger guy. He's just a bigger guy. He's just like kind of a big uh, roamer, I guess you could call him. They even have a safety, Jamar Johnson from Iowa. Um, I don't know how good he is uh, comparatively to um, to uh, Candon uh, Stearns. So Stearns, he is. You want to hear his height and his his. Uh, he's six one, two oh seven. Didn't they Big get a lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater? 
Yeah, but I was talking more defensively. Oh. Uh, they got a uh, they got an offensive lineman from. He's a stud. Uh, He's a stud. That's the big name guy. But yeah, it's Miners. Quinn. Miners. Yeah, it's Quinn Miners. He's but a stud. defensively, I was more uh, just talking about who they drafted. Oh, they did a very good deep job of kind of filling those holes with their draft picks. I think Baron Browning is is a very underrated pick. Um, you know, he's from, you know, Ohio state linebacker. It's another linebacker. linebacker yeah. They're good at linebacker. Um, and, and that's going to help them. I think with their, uh, he, you know, I think he's going to help with their, with their, their holes there, but I think that's why. And I think Teddy Bridgewater underrated. I think he had a solid year with, uh, the, uh, pa- Panthers average at best, dude, he got hurt average again. At- Average at best, dude. He had like 16 touchdowns, 15 picks. I'm pulling it up right now. So I'm curious. Do it. I, don't, I think that the Achilles heel for the Broncos is their quarterback situation. Uh, then I, I, I do yeah, agree. Yeah, and 15, that's where I think. 15 and 11. 15 and 11. And then he got hurt last year, yards. right? I mean, he missed a game. He missed like two games. 3,700 but, yards. Yeah, 3,700 yards. He was 69 touchdowns. pass completion. He's a good he's a good fill in guy. I like him, you know, off the bench if you need a quarterback for a couple of weeks. But and and I don't think Drew Locke is the answer. We'll find out this year. But I think that's what I think. It, I think we'll find out this year. And I think if not, the Broncos are gonna trade for Aaron Rodgers. Because I think the Broncos with Aaron Rodgers are our Super Bowl contender. Because I, I think for me, and I think if you look holistically at the AFC, just across the board, you got like the Chiefs, you got the Bills, and then you know you got your second level tier teams like the Ravens, the the Browns, teams like that. But I think the real the real separating team is the Chiefs and Buffalo in terms of like top two teams. You know, oh, oh for in the AFC, absolutely. absolutely. And you throw Aaron Rodgers, you you throw Aaron Rodgers on Denver, and I think you have a different conversation because then you throw another a tough team in the division for the for the Chiefs. So I think that would change the landscape a little bit, um, because they have the team. They have an, they have a good running back. They have a great tackle. They have you know, put a good young receivers. I like Jerry Judy a lot. I think he's going to be a stud. So they uh, KJ yeah, Hamler is an underrated player. He was a baller at Kansas State. Penn State. So we, and then you like, throw in and then you, and you have Sutton. In. You have Corlin Sutton, who's a Pro Bowler. You could also throw in the mix. No, barring they have barring they have the cap. But you could also throw in the mix that Devontae Adams is also a free agent. You could pick him up. Well, I think um, if they trade, I think if they trade to the Packers, that they're going to have to give up one of their receivers. Yeah, but it's fine because then you got Devontae Adams, who's going to be also a free agent who could sign. Yeah, you. but but I think either way, like the Packers are going to ask for a receiver. Probably yeah, if they were smart, they'd give up Sutton and they would keep Jared Judy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't disagree. So uh, I have the Broncos second. I the reason being, I just think that their quarterbacks are going to be a little better than last year, and they were they were eight and eight last year with that horrible situation. They actually ended up double- going eight and eight. They went eight and eight. I thought it was seven and nine. Well, either way, seven and nine, eight and eight, not a terrible year. Yeah, um, I'll I'll double check it just to make sure because I'm right here, anyways. Um... I mean, the Raiders just look terrible right now. I think the Raiders, the Raiders in this offseason, so you can kind of throw them at the back of the bus. Kind of sounds like. They were no way. They were worse, way worse than that. Six and ten. 
five and eleven. It looks like. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, uh, either way, not bad though, in my opinion. I don't think they're gonna be three wins. And here's the other thing: is the the big one is I think, and I this is where my asterisk comes in is the Chargers. I could easily see the Chargers taking second. Problem is, is I don't know enough about their. I know they have a guy come their stud corner or safety coming back. Uh, Dar is Darwin James. Darwin James stud. Yeah. Um. Stud. I, I know he's coming back. Again, injury not as big deal when it's a defensive player. The injury thing, just the way because you're one of the more you're the ones initiating the contact rather than taking it, stuff like that. Um. So it's a little easier on your injuries. Um. But. I, that, I do have them in second, and especially with Herbert. They got a QB matter so much. Um, so I did have that asterisk there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have the Chargers third, and I agree. Raiders fourth. I think they're just – I think they're they're in this weird limbo where it's like they have a decent roster, but they don't have, like, a good enough roster. I mean, you got a great tight end in Waller. You got another great receiver, uh, Alabama receiver. Um, I always get him and Judy mixed up. It's Ruggs. I think Ruggs, I think Ruggs yeah, is a bust. Ruggs. Really? I think Ruggs is a bust. Interesting. I think, Interesting I, think he, I, think he, I think he can just run. I think he's just fast, but I don't think he's much of anything else. I think he, he was a reach where he was picked. I don't think he's going to be. I mean, well, I may be wrong, but he had a bad rookie year. He didn't look good. He didn't look good He also at all. had Derek Carr throwing to him. Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback at all. Derek Carr's he's a solid quarterback. I take Derek Carr on my team today. He's really? had, he hasn't had structure. I mean, you look at the structure around him this offseason. They sold out his entire offensive line. They have Brandon Jacobs, not Brandon Jacobs, whatever, uh, Josh Jacobs at running back. They bring in Kenyon Drake from the Cardinals. When you already have a running back, you don't fulfill your offensive line position needs. Like, I just think that they kind of like failed around him. I think he needs to change the scenery because I think he gets a bad rap there. I mean, dude, look at his numbers. I mean, dude, he's around 70% completion. He's around 4,000 yards every year, 20 something. I mean, dude, but if you. Yeah, he was over 4,000 yards. Oh, that's who was eight and eight was the Raiders last year. That's where I got the Broncos. And they they fell apart down the stretch because they were like six and two, six and three. Like they were, they, they just fell apart down the stretch. So, I mean, he like. So I I, I I do agree on that. I think my only – so I agree with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will be – I think the Chiefs will lead the division. I think they'll be the first team in the in the AFC. Um, one thing I think will be – dude, I, do, I cannot believe that they, like – you know, their biggest hole was that their offensive line this offseason. And one offseason, they saw – they probably have now a top five offensive line in the league. They got that Dooney guard from, from New England who's a stud. They somehow convinced the Ravens to trade them. Orlando Brown Jr., who has been a Pro Bowl tackle for years, you know, they got, you know, they're loaded, I think, on the offensive line now. So they filled their one hole, their one major hole that they had. I think Nico Hardman kind of makes a jump, becomes a legitimate number two receiver this year next to Tyreek. Uh, they're, they're the favorites in the AFC. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that I have flipped, I think I have the Chargers going second in the division at nine and eight. Um, very fair argument. I, I don't, I don't really disagree with it. I, right. I really don't. Um, I think that, you know, they got a pro bowl roster, at, you know, across the board of Derwin James is half the player. He says he is, they got a guy in the second round. Um, Asante Samuel jr. From Florida state is supposed to be a stud. They have Chris Harris at safety. Um, you know, or no, Chris, not that corner. I mean, they have Casey Hayward. So they have, you know, they have a good defensive backfield. Um, you know, Joey Bosa is supposed to be a good player for them. 
Uh, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma is a good linebacker. So, I mean, they have, you know, good players across the board. I think, you know, obviously, you know, the big thing for the Chargers offensively is going to be that they have, they're replacing three offensive linemen this year. So they have three new offensive linemen coming in. They, uh, and, you know, Justin Herbert's playing in stadiums that actually have crowds for the first time. So I think that's going to be an adjustment for him. Like, I know it's a small thing, but I think, you know, playing, you know, going from empty stadiums to a large, you know, 70, 80,000 people on top of you, like for the first time in over two years, but that's going to be an adjustment for him. Now, whether it's making calls at the line of scrimmage, you know, things of that nature. So I think that they will be good. Um, but, I, you know, I think that, so I, that, that's why I got flopped. I think that the Broncos will go seven and 10. And it's just because I just don't think the quarterbacks in Bridgewater or Locke are enough to get them over the top and think that they need to make a move or try to get another quarterback. Uh, but we will see. I, I think, you know, that's a wild card. I think they'll be in a bunch of games. Denver, Denver, like you said, has a good roster. They have a competitive roster. So that's going to be a tough out. With you. And they're so, veteran. And they got a good organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gives them an edge over. Home field uh, advantage, too. Yeah. And I think that's what gives them an edge over the Chargers. Now, it's me splitting hairs because I don't necessarily, like, it's not one of those things where, like you, saying, I got the Chargers going second pretty handily that makes me go what no fucking way um, also, also got to remember too that the Chargers have a brand new coach coming in and he's a young right. coach he's not a coach that has a lot of experience and it's all. not like their organization in the past has been an amazing organization either so a lot of expectations too like most season ticket sales and team history exactly. yeah like first time playing, playing in they the got a good stadium. quarterback you got mm-hmm. you keenan allen who's a stud receiver stud. you got defensive studs you got players who can make plays. What are you going to do to make it uh, transition to on pay or onto the field? Uh, there's a lot of questions surrounding it. I think the Broncos are just a better uh, organized uh, well organization. Uh, I think they're a better organization. Um, you got Lynch running things, which is great. Um, so Lynch is in San Fran. He's on Elway. Elway, yeah. I knew it was a Bronco player, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Uh, Elway, and then um, you got people like uh, you got people who I think are good veteran players. Like that defense is so veteran oriented. You got Solid. people like Von Miller, who he's that that locker room is going to listen to him. You know, you got to have somebody like that with your if you're a team that could potentially be struggling, having a locker room guy who can get the team huddled together on one on one track together. That's a big deal. They, in my opinion, because Drew Luck was uh, Locke was hurt most of the year, if I do remember last year too. He was pretty wishy washy on his on his ability to play. Yeah. Um, that matters. That does matter. And they got five wins. That's probably five more wins. They probably that's probably four more wins than they probably deserved last year. Um, now I will say this too as well. I wanted to ask you what do you, what makes a good rookie season for you? Because I have uh, Ruggs's numbers up. A good rookie season in terms of a wide receiver. Yeah. He only played 13 games, so he was okay. hurt for two games. So I'd say if we're going to go full season, I'll go full season scale. On a rookie, okay. he let's take into account that Ruggs was picked in the top five. Was he not? Or was he top like seven? Top ten, right? Something top. like that. All right, let's say he's a top ten pick. Top ten pick wide receiver. I'm expecting at least, you know, 50 catches, 800 yards, somewhere between five and five to seven touchdowns. That would be like a solid rookie season incredible rookie season in my opinion uh but not at all towards your standard 
Um, now here's where I'm going to say, so he had 26 catches. Mind you, only played 13 games. He had 26 catches, 452 yards, two touchdowns, uh, two touchdowns, but he came but, on late. He came on late, but came to on your point, to your point, guess his average per catch. About 17 yards. 17.4. He had he eight, eight catches over 20 yards, four catches over 40 yards. He had a long of 72. He's just a speed guy. Um, doesn't mean you can't be successful guy. and ha- be good, though. But I'll he's also not small, though. That's the thing. Like, he's skinny, but he's 6'1". Like, he's not. He'll run. He can, yeah. and, he, and, he, and he runs four, sub 4'3". Yeah. So, who knows? Uh, who knows if he develops into something else? Um, all right, let's get down to the best division, most competitive division, I think, in the mm. AFC. Uh, your division, um, AFC North. Um, I'll let you start this one. This is your division, so I'll let you start it. You go ahead. You know, I had an initial thought this morning waking up thinking about my Steelers and, and the AFC North, but I think I've since kind of changed my opinion. On, we'll kind of work through it. So, AFC North, I think it's going to be a gauntlet of the division. You could see two, maybe three teams representing AFC North in the playoffs this year. Would not surprise me in the slightest. Uh, I got Baltimore at 11 and 6. I think they have one of the best rosters in football. Um, You know, I think J.K. Dobbins, the running back for the Ravens, is going to take a big leap this year. I think, you know, the combination of him, the combination of Lamar, I think the expectation is that they're both over or around 1,000 yards rushing each. Lamar Jackson has run for a thousand yards in the last two years consecutively. So I think that's kind of just a general nature of their offense. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of defense, they have an incredible pass rush. They have good linebackers. They have two great corners in Marlon Humphrey and Patrick Peters, uh, or not Patrick Peters, Marcus Peters. And um, so I just think overall, I think the Ravens are going to have, you know, a great, a great team. I think the thing that gives the Ravens the advantage in the division, I think that they just have the Browns number. They're most, you know, I think the Browns and the Ravens, in terms of Baker Mayfield and Lamar, played like five or six times. And I'm saying the, I'll say that the Ravens have won the better half of those games. So I just think that the Ravens have the Browns number in terms of close games. I think in terms of roster, I think if you look at, at the, uh, you know, pro football focus released the range for the roster, Ravens and the Browns are both in the top five. But I just think in terms of the division, I got the Ravens going 11 and six. Um, moving on to the Browns. I got the Browns at 10 and seven. I think that, you know, they look great on paper. You know, I would say best offensive line in the league. I would say best running back duo in the league. Uh, I'm like Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's a solid player. I think the combination of him and Jarvis Landry, their tight end group is loaded. They got three deep, that can, like three tight ends on their team that can would be a starter anywhere else. Kind of similar to the Buck situation in terms of talent all over the place. They have depth everywhere. I think in the draft, they more so drafted for depth rather than for need. And so I think, you know, they're loaded on defense, they're loaded on offense. Um, I, like I said, I just think Baltimore has their number. And so that's where I think, you know, the 11 and 6, 10 and 7 comes into play. They're going to have a playoff caliber schedule. Um, and again, their division is a gauntlet. So I think that that's going to be difficult and tough. Uh, and I mean, the Steelers, you know, originally I had said that. Um, you know, I talked to you, I talked to people, I said eight and nine. Didn't look like, you know, an average season for the Steelers. Uh, didn't look good at the end of the year. They looked like a bad football team ending the year, like bad brand of football, uh, bad look. You know, 
a lot of that had to do with injuries. A lot of that had to do with players who were kind of towards the end of their prime. Um, and, you know, I, you know, one of the things that was a big difference and why I'm turning that around and saying that the Steelers are going to finish nine and eight, and I actually think they're going to make the playoffs is they released a guard by the name of David DeCastro, who been a Pro Bowl player. I think it freed up about 11 or 12 million cap space for them. They turned, you know, that player into Trey Turner, who was a guard, who, who was a Pro Bowl guard the year before with, with the Chargers. Melvin Ingram, who was a Pro Bowl outside linebacker with the Chargers, who's now going to replace Bud Dupree, who left the Steelers. And they also got Joe Schobert, the, the linebacker from the Jaguars, who was also a Pro Bowl linebacker. So I think you add those elements to an already good defensive front. I think, you know, Offensive line was obviously the biggest issue for Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Trey Turner kind of helps address that, and we'll kind of see how the offensive line meshes and gels. I think that'll be a big component because I think for Ben, I think Ben can still be successful in terms of throwing the ball down the field. He has a great receiving core, um, but, you know, I feel that um, for us to be successful, it's really going to be on how well the offensive line gels. I think Najee Harris is going to be a good running back in terms of running the ball, catching the ball out of the backfield. He's big, he's strong. So, you know, third and short was, a, you know, short down yardage situations was, was kind of like a big deal for Pittsburgh and they weren't successful at it. But I think this year that'll kind of, you know, that'll be the focal point there. I think our defense will be solid. You know, we have one of the best safeties in football and makeup. Um, and then, um, and so I do, so I do kind of, I kind of flip there. So that's what I'm saying. Nine and eight for the Steelers. I think they get in the back door of the playoffs. And then um, I got the Bengals going six and 11. Like I said, they're loaded on offense. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, the division will be rough. I wouldn't doubt if they beat the Steelers. They always give the Steelers a hard time. But yeah, that's kind of how I seem to steal the one game when they shouldn't. Or, or they injure one of our players. Those fucking bastards. I hate the Bengals so much. Yeah. I mean, um, so the only thing I disagree with is who's winning the division. I, I think, look, for me, it comes down to, it comes down to Lamar Jackson. And I don't think Lamar Jackson is, I, I know he won MVP. He's really explosive. He's a fun player to watch, but as soon as you get into playoffs, what happens? He, he, he turns into what everybody expects. He's a quarterback who can't throw. I know he won one game finally in the playoffs. Finally, he beat the Titans. I understand that. I don't think he's a quarterback you can rely on. I think people know how to play him now. Um, I still, that being said, they're still going to make the playoffs. They're still going to have a good record. I just don't think if you go look at the defense of the Bron of the Browns, I think their defense is incredibly good. They're a little weak at linebacker, but they don't have, they have out of their DBs. They have, Six foot one, six foot three, six foot two, five eleven. And their five eleven corner is their best corner in let me make sure I get his name right. It is Ward, Denzel Ward, I think is their best corner. This is stud, he's a pro bowler. And he's only five eleven. He's their shortest defense of back. Other than that, their other corner six one. Then they have six one at safety, and then they have six three at other safety. And I think when you put that, you put those guys in a box and you basically have one guy QB speed, they're going to be QB spy. I mean, they're going to be fine against, I think, against the Ravens. But Miles Garrett's a defensive player of the year candidate. Right. And they got, and like you said, the best offensive line. You got OBJ coming back. 
They have three very good receivers, in my opinion. Um, I, I think they're going to be a very good team, a hard team to beat. As long as Baker does his job, manages the game well, I don't see them having a hard time this season. I don't disagree with anything else. I think you got – you take Baker or Lamar? I'd take Baker because Baker can at least make some throws. I think in the structure of the Ravens system, though, now I will say this is predicated on how the Ravens offensive line is because I feel like the Ravens offensive line has kind of changed out. I mean, you lose Orlando Brown Jr. They lost a guard who's a Hall of Fame level guard to retirement. So, you know, seeing how the Ravens offensive line works this year, we'll, we'll have a lot to say because I think if you look at Lamar Jackson, the player and what he brings, there's no other player like him in terms of how he runs. The right. But I think a lot of that, like you see in the postseason, can be mitigated. I think I, I think you can I really agree. expose him in the playoffs. And he, we've seen it two years in a row now. And mm-hmm. actually three, I think. Um, and my opinion of him, I, I think he's an ultimate talent. But if you're asking me, it's third and eight, a minute 52 left, and we're trying to continue to drive. It's third and eight. What quarterback am I thinking is going to pick up that third down? Mm-hmm. Given the defensive schemes, I'm putting my trust in Baker Mayfield to make that third down completion. Because I think reality is, is Lamar is going to look to run, and then you're going to have a QB spy on him. You're going to be able to keep him. I don't think he stays in the pocket very long, where at least Baker will stay in the pocket, let the play develop. And he's got an arm, and he's accurate enough as a thrower where he can pick up a third and eight for you. You're not going to be able to run on third and eight very likely. I'm not saying it's impossible for Lamar to pick up a third and eight with his legs. But in the playoffs, when they start bringing down those safeties and they're marking you, it's a lot harder. I mean, I like I said, I definitely can see. You know, I have the Baltimore at eleven and six, and, and Cleveland at ten and seven. I can totally see that being. I have pretty much exactly. Either. That's You're all. I, that's how I have it. I just have it flip flop. I can see it one hundred percent being flip flop. Uh, I mean, like you said, the Browns are loaded on the roster. I just think, you know, I think Pittsburgh's kind of being slept under the rug, and I think that Pittsburgh's going to get at least one victory against either the Ravens or the Browns. I don't think that they get swept by either of those teams. I think Pittsburgh comes out with a victory in at least but one But this of is one games. of those things where I think, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and to your point, it's going to sound like I'm kind of disagreeing, is like, dude, they kind of seem like they're in shambles, but they're such a good organization, and I, in my opinion, I think Tomlin's actually a really good coach. I really he's do never gone he under 500 in, in his exactly. I don't. I if you think he's not going to get at least nine wins, I think you're. I think you're really doubting that organization and what they're about and what their abilities are. Um, I, I think Tomlin's very capable of winning just by coaching his heart out. Eight games. You got Ben Roethlisberger, who's probably throwing it into his last year too, maybe. Um, I look. I I wouldn't be shocked if they stole a wild cards position. I think they are going to be a little thrown to the side this year, but I don't think that you can completely sleep on them because as much as you're not really sure what the fuck's going on over there, you're like, at the same time, you just know that the Steelers could get nine wins and they might be the ugliest nine wins that you'll ever watch, but they're going to get nine wins. Well, I'm telling you now that the recipe for Pittsburgh is that Pittsburgh needs to run the ball and play defense. I mean, we can talk about, you know, skill position. Let's talk front seven. Who is the best front seven in the division? I say it's Pittsburgh. I say it's Pittsburgh by far. I say Pittsburgh, you know, you guys, you let's go, um, you know, from let's go and then you got TJ Watt, who should have been defensive player of the year last year. You got Casey Hayward, who's a pro bowl, Stefan Tuitt, who's a pro bowler. You have, 
Melvin Ingram, who's been a pro bowler. At linebacker, you have Devin Bush coming off an injury nonetheless, but probably one of the better young linebackers in football. You have Joe Schobert, who's now like, you know, a pro bowl level linebacker. Uh, I saw Court or Cameron Sutton is one of our corners. He was like the a top 20 ranked corner in the league. You have Joe Hayden on the other side has been solid. Mika Fitzpatrick's a top ten safety. Mika Fitzpatrick's a top level safety, a top five safety in a lot of people's eyes. So I think on defense, they have a strong defense. I think what it's about is not having Ben Roethlisberger, you know, dictate the tempo of the game. He needs to be between 20 and 30 passes. Uh, Najee Harris needs to be toting the rock, truthfully. And it's really on our offensive line being rebuilt. And I mean, I think I heard in the preseason that the Steelers offensive line has been like the highest rated. So I know it's just preseason speculation, but I, I just think, you know, you, you take that into account, you take into account the explosiveness of the Bengals. It's going to be a gauntlet of the division where teams are going to drop games that they're not expecting them to drop. And that's where I think, you know, Baltimore and Cleveland can flip-flop. I think it's who takes care of their business more. And then, you know, Baltimore and Cleveland kind of like stand off and, you know, level out. Like it's who takes business out, outside of that. You know what I mean? Like in those other games against the Bengals against the Steelers. Yeah, and that's I have the Bengals coming in dead last two. Uh, I think they're a 5-12 and 12 team, 6-11 max. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, so it looks like we're pretty on par with where that division's kind of turning out. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, I'm looking at it right now, uh, obviously, so in my opinion, I got Titans, Browns, Chiefs, Bills taking all four of the divisional um, ones, and then there's seven playoff teams. I would say you go ahead, you put uh, for sure the Colts and the Ravens, and then that last spot is going to be between, in my opinion, either the Steelers or mm-hmm. whoever gets second in the AFC East, which is could be Pats or Miami. Yeah, that's what um, I have too. Yeah, so that that's who I think is kind of coming out of the AFC. Um, you know, and if I'm being if I'm being honest, I I just see I, I see it really either the Bills or the Chiefs coming out yeah. of the AFC. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I think the I'm, Titans' defense of holes they'll make for an exciting if they got to the AFC title game. It might make for an exciting shootout between them and the Chiefs, but mm-hmm. I think ultimately the Chiefs' defense is a little better, and mm-hmm. that's what would get them. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, moving on to the NFC now. Um, some players to talk about. Uh, we can get these. There's really two rookies and then one key player. Uh, we'll talk about the rookies first. Uh, in Justin Fields, uh, Bears quarterback. Now I know he's technically listed as the start or the second string quarterback behind Andy Dalton. Um, I think it's going to be one of those situations. Even if they're losing, but Andy Dalton's not playing bad. Like, he could be having a mediocre season. I still think they're going to give Fields a shot at some point through the season. It's really going to take Andy Dalton having a really good season for him to stay benched. Um, I don't I, I, I don't know how good Fields is. I know from the reports that I've been seeing and reading, everyone's pretty high on him. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. There's just something about him that I'm just not convinced about it. I'm just not convinced about him. Well, no, I think you should be. The only reason I say that is because, dude, he's been special since, like, high school, like, face of his high school program since he was, like, a freshman, top recruit in the country. Like, him and Trevor Lawrence were one and two. Like, 
when they're coming out of high school, like in terms of the best quarterbacks, he was on QB one. So he's, he's the, been the face, like he's been the face at Ohio state. He's the big name recruit coming into Georgia. You know, he's been a big name his whole life. And I think that he, and he's been a star his whole life. So I think that he's, he's in the right like city, the right environment to thrive. I don't think they should rush putting him in. And the reason I say that is because I don't think they have the team around him necessary for him to necessarily succeed. Uh, you know, I think that the Bears have a great defense and that kind of helps him. But offensively, you have a, a running back. I think his name is Jordan Montgomery. And then he's pretty solid. And you have Allen Robinson, who's a stud. But outside of that, you know, not a lot of offensive weapons. But the offensive line is kind of patchwork. I think, you know, letting Andy Dalton start and kind of work his way through, let Justin see the game learn the game and then, you know, insert him. I don't think that the Bears need to be considered because they're not a Super Bowl winner. Like, yeah, I don't think no, anyone considers – I don't think anyone considers the Bears uh, a Super Bowl contender. So, at this point, I think that they should be playing for the long play. I think just, if Justin Fields, you know, shows deservedly in camp that he should be the starter right away, then go ahead. But I think, like, if there's any doubts or reservations, that, you know, you got to protect your asset. And I think that, that he's ready. I think that, or I think he's ready for the moment when, whenever that time comes. And uh, I think he'll be a solid player for the Bears. I think they made a good decision in picking him. But I just think it's going to take some. Time. I definitely think it was a good decision because I, I think there's upside to him. I'm just not convinced that. I don't know. I just don't think it's going to play out. You know, I wish I wish he would have ended up in New England. I would have loved to see him in New England because I think that he would be fit very well in New England with just those weapons around him. I think Chicago can attract some kind of free agents there because they have the defense. They just need like one or two pieces offensively and a good, you know, good offensive line. And they'll be good. He can make plays with his arms. He can make all the throws. He can make plays with his legs. So I think he's, he's as good as it gets. I think, I think that he was the second ranked quarterback in his draft. I think he should have, he, he should have gone above Zach Wilson undoubtedly. Now going to the next one, then let's talk about uh, Trey Lance. Um, now for him, I, I think this is kind of a similar situation to Fields as much as it is like he's a backup who's I think it's really just a countdown of to when he's going to start, not if. Um, I know he had a year off between the seasons because of COVID because uh, he didn't play for North Dakota State. Um, I know he's from there, but he didn't play the last year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I believe he only had 20. COVID. He only had 20 passes in a live game in over two years. Right. So uh, that's a statistic. 20 and, passes. But he's a good athlete, from what I've seen. Uh, mm -hmm. I know they're pretty high on him. It's very. I'm raw. more curious. I feel like he's going to be more of a project than people think he is. Not that he's going to be raw. bad. Very what? Raw. He's a raw. He's a raw talent. Like. Oh, I thought you said very raw. wrong. I was all. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. R -A -W. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's going to be a more of a project than people think. Um, but not to say that it, that means he's going to be bad. I think no. he's going to be, uh, I think he's still going to be good. Um, he's in a good system too. Like he's good for definitely what he does. the quarterback I'm most curious about as far as rookies go. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very curious to see what he's going to do. Cause I think we're going to be looking at him about week eight when Jimmy G has just choked his last, his last football game. Um, I think we're going to see him. Um, and so I'm curious to see how he's going to step into that role and see how he does. 
Well, that's a gauntlet of a division to step into, too, because that's the toughest For division sure. in football by far. Every team in there has Super Bowl-level talent, um, whether they're a contender or not. Like, they have, each team has a loaded roster, like, high-level players at, at key positions. So, it's, but, uh, it's Absolutely, but if he's stepping in, the thing that you can kind of take comfort in as a Niners fan is if they're at the point where he's stepping in, <clears throat> they're kind of throwing the white flag up and they're going, look, the season's over. We're going to get our rookie quarterback some snaps. What better way to do it than against the best of the best in your division? Now you carry that over into next year, and you go, look, man, yeah, all right, you had a terrible last seven games, but you played some of the best teams. You, we got a lot to work on, but, like, you're only going to get better in this league. You know, Ooh. by argument, you're only going to get better in this league year after year, and you just went your rookie year, and you did this against – these types of teams, we can improve with that. So there's a better silver lining. There's no expectations for you to come in and start producing. Um, so, you know, you can kind of go out there with a, you know, a little less on your shoulders, a little less weight on your shoulders, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm, he's the one I am very most curious about. That's all. That's kind of like my thoughts and feelings on him. I don't think you can really judge him because like you said, he is a raw talent. Um, you don't really know what we're working with there. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think the best thing for Trey Lance would be if he didn't play this year. I think the best thing for the 49ers would be if Trey Lance doesn't play this year. Reason being, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo has a relatively good year, kind of similar to his Super Bowl year numbers, like close to six times in a game. Well, I'll say like, you know, in the regular season, he has close to 4,000 yards, like 3,800 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, somewhere around there. I think that's good for the 49ers because it makes him tradable. You let Trey sit for a year, see how it's done. And I think also the 49ers receivers need another year to, to develop. I love Brandon Ayuk, and I think that Debo, Debo Samuel is sick. But I think that they, you know, they need a, a big play receiver. And I don't think those guys – I think those, I see those as more of slot guys, number two, number three receivers. And, I mean, I think when, you have, when you're a rookie quarterback, you need, like, someone that you know you can go to. When, when you're young, you need someone who's like, okay, I can throw this up to you. You can go fucking get that shit for me. Like, even yeah. if it's not like a perfectly thrown ball. And not to say those guys can't do that, but I see Debo as more of a come in motion, catch like a touch pass with a quarterback, like, you know, run the ball. They do a lot of those things in San Fran, like a power run offensive scheme. And so I think, you know, I just don't, I just don't think that, you know, I think that they need a year to, kind of put that all together before Trey Lance is ready. See, like, let him practice against an NFL defense. Let him see things. Because he's so raw. He's only played, like, and, you know, probably no more than 20 college games. Probably well, less than And then that. you also have George Kittle, who's just an incredible tight end with him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting with that team. I, I don't disagree with what letting them sit, but I mean, if your, your season's going downhill, I, and I, the reason you would want to continue playing Jimmy is the trade value. But if you're four and 12, or if you're going down that path where it looks like you're going to be five and, you know, five and 12 sort of thing, I think it's always best to get your rookie quarterback and get him snaps, especially when you, there's, you're not starting him from day one, so it's not like he's got this pressure. He's coming in towards the end of the season, so there's no expectations for him. It's really seen as you're just getting this guy time on the field. So, 
Yeah, you have the you have the downfall of it losing trade value with Jimmy because they're like, well, we just benched him now for the second year in a row. It's like, well, what are we doing? Um, but I think that I think uh, I, I you have a guy who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback and backup. That's what your thoughts are because you drafted him that way. You might as well just get him get him there. It doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter because you have already good key players as far as offense. Like, what do you really need? You got a good defense. What do you really need out of a trade, quote unquote, value other than maybe some picks for Jimmy Garoppolo? You right. know, I think I think that the trade value, just given that the team's roster they have, isn't going to be super super significant. Right. Um, and yeah, your I don't necessarily disagree with your thoughts on the wide receiver core, but. Instead of maybe going and getting a guy who is the guy at receiver, you get a third good receiver, and you can move one to. Uh, I mean, I feel like Kittle's their number inside. one. Kittle's more so their number yeah, one. Yeah, but tight end, it's still tight. He's still tight end at the same time, like, and he's a really good blocker. And that's the thing is, you got to remember, there's going to be plays where they're going to need him blocking. Their power, and, their power on offense. Yeah. Is what they are. So. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't I don't disagree with that on it. I, it's just to reiterate, I'm very interested on what he does, um, mm-hmm. Trey, Trey Lance. So the last one, uh, Matthew Stafford. Um, I'll be pretty quick on this, as I'm. I think he's going to have a good setup. Uh, obviously, Acres being hurt hurts him, but he still has a better wide receiver core, better O line than he ha- ever had in Detroit, in my opinion. Mixed with. Does he? The does, Detroit, does, yeah, he's he's never had sure? Then Detroit, absolutely sure. I don't know uh, because his offensive line in LA is average, and Cooper Cup better than anything was, he's ever had in I'm, Detroit. I mean, he's had some Pro Bowl level linemen at, at left tackle and center. I think that Taylor Decker guy they have there's been a consistent, or not a consistent Pro Bowler, but like a good left tackle. Like they would like they have this guy named Frank Rag now. He's been there. He's, so they've had like average of line. The LA the LA linemen like are really not notable at all. I mean, dude, you had Megatron there. He's had Golden Tate. He's had Marvin Jones. He had Kenny Galladay. I mean, dude, I mean, yes, there's, there is not much of a difference, I feel, though, in the talent that he has at the skill position. And I think the fact that he lost Cam Akers is cr- crushing for them, like crushing. But you're talking about – oh. I'm talking about specifically his offensive line, and you just named me a bunch of receivers. I'm not saying he hasn't had receiving talent. I'm saying his I'm saying his O line talent at at Detroit has been consistently bad his entire career. I just named at least like three guys that are Pro Bowl level linemen in Detroit: Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker. I think there's another. I'm not I'm not remembering. Do like he's had like a? I'm not saying the best. He's definitely had to carry the team, but I feel like he's in a situation with a similar offensive talent, he's going to have to do that again because he doesn't have a run game now. And now he's in L.A. with a lot of expectations. And his defense really is thin, is thin at the depth level. Like, they lost, like, seven or eight guys that are starters on their defense. You have two corners max, and one of them gets hurt your season screwed. And so I think that they're in a position where they lost a lot of guys. And I think Cam Akers was a budding star for them. And now you don't have a running game to rely on. So now it's on Stafford to do it again like he did it in Detroit on the bigger scale. And we see what he's done in primetime games. So I, I don't think he's going to be as bad as you think it is. And I, I don't think having one Pro Bowl tight end at your defensive when you got four other guys who have been asked your whole career and you've never had a defense in Detroit – I mean, you got to think about it like it's there's a reason that, mm-hmm. and it's not because of Stafford. 
And there's a reason Detroit hasn't been consistently good. And there's a reason they've only made the playoffs two times, I think, when they had him. And, right. yeah, he's had great uh, – look, he had Calvin Johnson as a receiver. You're not going to get a better receiver than that, in my opinion. And, yeah, I understand that. But I think he's got better receivers total, wide receiver group total, than he's ever had. Robert Woods, D-Jack, Cooper Cup. Like they, they're a good unit. Yeah, like, they I mean, got a good unit. Done. And – I think their defense is better than he's ever had. I I understand they're not deep, and I don't disagree, but I do think that he's a better situation on a better defense than he's ever had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and mixed in with he's got a much better coach than he's ever had in Detroit as well. Mm-hmm. So well, I think he's got a lot of positives with him. Um, I still agree that I think the season that I think going into the offseason they were going to have would have been a lot better given they would have had acres. Mm. I'm not saying now my season for them is downgraded, but I still think he's going to be okay there. I think he's going to be better. I think he'll be a better Stafford than you've seen when he was in Detroit because of those uh, other, those other things that I had just mentioned, but I'm not expecting him to have the season. I was expecting him to have. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Like, I thought well, they could have I mean, been an 11 team win. I think you're more looking at like a nine <clears throat> or 10 team win. Yeah, I think that yeah, I that's I completely agree. Nine nine wins is what I think they're gonna be at. Now, yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um well let's get into the division breakdown. Hold on one sec. Can I run the bathroom right quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. That'll that'll be fun. I gotta do the same. Back in the lab. Good real refuel break. Yeah, yeah, I had to, I had to drain the old sea monster, as they say. Crushed like six wings in like two minutes. Jeez. Yeah, I'm trying to talk my girl into ordering Chinese tonight, but she's not budging so you might get mexican which is love tacos because you can do alliteration with it that's why taco tuesday that's the only reason they like it girls are crazy about alliterations (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um all right so last but not least let's get into it i want to do a quick eyeball let's start with the nfc south i think it's the weakest division like as far as competitiveness goes Um, so nfc south um me personally i think it's very obvious and everybody out there listening they're like probably saying it with us bucks winning this division Mm -hmm. Um, i think it's pretty yeah i think it's pretty clear cut i see them going six and zero in their division um I really I don't see them losing a game to their any of their division opponents. Um, now, I personally, I also have another asterisk in this as well. Um, I think the Saints. I think the Saints are honestly going to possibly go dead last, but I'll, I'll just do my run through. So I got Bucks going one, and then I think the Falcons are going to go number two. I think you still got a good quarterback in Matt Ryan. He's, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in the division. Um, he's still got some decent weapons um, with Ridley, 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 
and now he's got Kyle Pitts, who's a big target. Russell so Gage like they, is an underrated receiver too. Yes, and and they lost like a big receiver in Julio Jones, but they make up with it in Kyle Pitts, who's what six six, and he's more of a receiver than he is a tight end, I would say at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's good, also pretty fast. I didn't realize he was running sub four fives um, in his mm-hmm. combine. Um, so I think they're going to win, and I think it comes down to the fact that they're just they have the second best quarterback. Now, what does that record look like? Is it second in the division, and they're seven and ten? Probably. Um, you know, I don't think you can really expect much from the two teams because I your other two teams, you, you got Sam Darnold for the Panthers, um, and then you really don't know who's your quarterback at the at New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. It looks like they might be doing a fifty fifty split of the job. Um, but they have a good roster. The reason I put an asterisk next to the Saints is what if Taysom Hill is pretty good or Jameis Winston really has improved and he's got a good coach. They still got a pretty good fucking roster too. Mm, yeah, they, they've had to replace a lot. Like they were in cat they, hell. They're, they're, yeah, but their roster is still solid. Key like, positions, they have good players. Right, and that's where my thing is. That's why I have an asterisk nest to them because I think there's just so many variables that they could Great be. Line. Really good yeah. line. Yeah, really, like really good line. It's really what what is these quarterbacks going to look like? Are they going to be okay? Because if they're okay, they might get second or third. They might be competitive even if they mm. if they're if it turns out these quarterbacks are good. Um, because everything else that's kind of key to me is pretty locked and loaded. They got a great head coach. They got a good O line. They got a solid defense. They got even defensive studs, um, you know, Lattimore, great corner, um, Malcolm Jenkins, solid, strong safety. Uh, you got good DNs. Um, and then you, obviously you got good receiving core too, as well. And so, and you have Alvin, uh, Kamara too, at running back, one of the best running backs in the league, right? Um, Murray too. Yeah. So it's like, they, they could be, it just depends on the quarterback. I have the Panthers taking third. I think Sam Darnold's a little slept on, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think he, now that he's out of a out of a terrible organization, I think expect to see a pretty good year out of Sam Darnold. It'll be a warm up year, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to be lights out, but I think he's going to have a good one. And then next year, I think he's going to be a second year with the Panthers in that organization, comfortable with his teammates, all that. You know, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be surprise some people. So I got the Panthers taking third, and I got the Saints finishing dead last. Um, huh. it, the records are a little similar. I think you're going to see, uh, the, from the Falcons. So second in the Falcons to fourth in the saints, you're going to see a lot of five, six, seven wins. I think it's going to be somewhere in that margin. I don't, I wouldn't expect the second place team to have more than seven wins in my opinion. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I, we, we definitely see eye to eye on a lot. There are definitely some differences. I would say, you know, I agree. I think the bucks are going to run away with the division, I have them at 13 and four. Um, but they're loaded everywhere. Uh, the, you yeah. know, predicted predicted to win every game except one against the Rams, I think, at this point. Um, you know, I think they're one of the few teams in the league that, you know, when they were drafting this year, they were drafting for death, not for need at all. They're filled everywhere position. They have guys who, you know, two or three deep that would start on any other team in the league. I think Brady will be, you won't see as, as crazy eye popping numbers. I don't think, I don't think you'll see over 40 touchdowns. I think you'll see somewhere more in the 25 to 30 range. You'll see 4,000 yards. Still great. Perfect. Efficient. You know, they have a good running back group. Um, I think Antonio Brown's going to have a big year for them. I think Antonio Brown's going to have a lot of catches if he can keep his head on straight. You're just saying that because you met him. You're just saying that because you met him. And he's an ex-dealer. 
Right now, if you look at the numbers, Brady threw him the ball the most at the end of the year since he came onto the team. So I just think Brady likes throwing him the ball. Um, and like I said, I just think, you know, you know, one of the things I think that's underrated about the Bucs is their offensive line. Their offensive line was disgusting last year in the playoffs. Like Brady didn't get touched. Tristan Wirtz is a perennial approval right tackle. Donovan Smith's good. You have, you know, uh, Marpet, who's a, a Pro Bowl level guard. You have Redmond, who's a Pro Bowl level center. So they're 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 locked in. All those guys are paid or are young, and so like you know they got they got to, and then their defense. I mean, all returning two, pretty much. Uh, you have, you have two of the top five linebackers in football on your defense. You have you know an incredible pass rush. You have a credible front seven. I think their defensive backfield is an underrated uh, group. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be a star. I think, you know, uh, Bunting, Murphy Bunting and then Whitehead and Dean, I think they're all going to just, you know, they're young and they're going to continue to get better. So Bucks run away with the division. I think that, you know, I actually have the Panthers finishing second. And I have them finishing at nine and eight. I like eight. that. I like that. I like that disagreement. I do because I, I, I like Sam Darnold a lot. I like so him then a lot. I will say, you know, they've been rebuilding. I think, you know, their offense around Sam Darnold is the best he's ever had. You have you have Christian McCaffrey, who is a top three running Just back stud, in the league, all around stud, stud. running back receiver. Um, you know, and another underrated pick that they had was Chubba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. I don't think he's going to get a lot of touches when when Christian McCaffrey needs a breather. I think he's going to be a big piece for them. You have DJ Moore, who's been a consistent one thousand yard receiver. Roby Anderson and, and Sam Darnold have you know some harmony working together. They drafted some offensive line pieces, and then you know at the defensive level, they actually like you know at all like you know defensive line, linebacker, corner, safety, Solid. They, you know solid they, they don't really have Derek. like a bat to your point like they don't have a bad player in really any position you know so it's they like got that no stud but they're just good so they got that you know they got Derek brown and d-line who's a stud yeah. for them they have brian burns out of florida state who's an edge they have shaq thompson who's a middle linebacker shout out Sacktown, baby mm-hmm. you went to grant high baby the city and then <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you got you know jc horn pans out to be like half the prospect that he's hyped up to be, you know, he'll be a solid pro bowl level corner. And then you got that. I think it's Patrick Chun is the safety for the, that the, the Panthers found number 21. Um, he's, he had a great rookie year, came out of nowhere. So, you know, you have talent at all, you know, three levels, line linebacker, say in like defensive back. And so I think, and so I think, you know, I think the, I think the Panthers are going to be much improved, like a much tougher out. And I really think that's because of what, you know, what's going on with the saints you know, first off, dude, they lost several big pieces last year. You got Drew Brees, Manuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Sheldon Rankins, I mean, Trey Hendrickson. I don't know if you remember him. Had a bunch. He had like 15 sacks last year. So they, they lost like a good group of players. And, you know, obviously you're replacing him with James Winston. I like James Winston. I actually want James Winston to succeed. But I think Mike Thomas being out for five weeks, like, makes it incredibly difficult. Yeah, you're not like, going to have anybody hit that slant. Right you don't have, you don't have, a, yeah, Mr. Mr. Five and in. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Mr. Sm- Mr. Smoke route. He's hitting this the yeah. whole time. He's like, five, five and curl, five and he's curl. A, he's a very big seven-yard comeback route. That's his big thing. <laughs> Remember that meme? It was like Michael Thomas' ability to handle criticism. <laughs> the ultimate, the the ultimate wide receiver, his ability to handle criticism. 
But yeah, you know, I think you, that that battle between Jameis and and Taysom, I think Jameis should win. I just think you know because of the turnover of the roster, because Michael Thomas is injured and out at least half of the season. I just think you know, dude, their schedule is brutal. Like I'm talking, dude, they play like the big boys, like the Chiefs. They play. I think I have it somewhere here. Let me see. I mean, you got to play Tampa twice. You're playing the Chiefs. Like it, they're they're just a loaded team, and I I know I, I think if, if you look at their schedule, they just are. It's it's gonna. I think they're gonna be in a bunch of late games, and it's gonna be you know it's gonna come down to like you know one possession, and I just don't know without Michael Thomas if they're gonna have the offensive firepower to stay in those games and win those games. I'd like this, and you know their strength will be their offensive line and their running game. They have yeah. a great offensive line. They have a great running game, but I mean. Their number two receiver is like Tyquan Smith. Who yeah. Like had 400 yards last year. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, and then I have Atlanta, fin- I have Atlanta finishing last at seven and 10. Same old song and dance with the Falcons. They'll score a bunch of points. They'll lose late. Um, I think they'll be exciting to watch, though, in terms from an offensive perspective. I uh, I think Kyle Pitts is going over 10 touchdowns this year. I got Calvin Ridley over 1,000 yards. Russell Gage will be like a good receiver, uh, up-and-coming number two receiver for them. So I think Atlanta will be explosive and fun. But, yeah. That, that's, that's why I have them second. But I have them second at the records you have them at. I don't have anybody else in that division winning more than seven games other than the Bucks. I don't. I don't know the Panthers' schedule offhand, but I just like I like their offensive personnel. I like their coaches. I like Matt Rule, and I like Joe Brady because Joe Brady is the, the architect of the LSU offense. So, yeah, like won the Natty. So I think let's look at their let's look at their schedule right now. Yeah. So you got the, Week One Colts. Oh wait, sorry, that's preseason. Regular season week one Jets that could be a win. That'll be an interesting game because it's Sam Darnold. Yeah. So week one you have the Jets that that could be a win. That's a win. That's a win Uh, in my opinion. Week two Saints could be uh, could be a win. I say win. I say win. Uh, Week three Houston Texans that's a win. Win 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 win. Uh, Week four you got the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's a loss. I do think that's a loss. Is it at Dallas or is it at Carolina? It's at Dallas. Mm, okay, uh, then they're home against in week five against the Eagles. Definite loss. That's a win. <laughs> Definite loss. So they're three and two. No, then you're at one. home against the Vikings. One. That's a loss. Yeah. That's so that's two losses. That's, that's four and arguably two. three. Uh, four and two. Week seven at the Giants. I think that's a loss. I really I mean, do. I know it's a oh, that's a tough game. Uh, week eight at Atlanta, toss up. Uh, week nine, home against New England. I think that's a loss. Week ten at Arizona, that's a loss. Week eleven, home against Washington. I think Washington's too good defensively. I think they just fucking clamp them. Um, I got that a loss. Week twelve, you got at Miami. I think you arguably a toss up. You probably toss have up. Miami. Um, week fourteen, home against they're because they have a bye on thirteen. Week fourteen, um, they are home against Atlanta. I think that's a win. Um, week fifteen at Buffalo, that's a loss. Week seventeen or week sixteen, home against Tampa, that's a loss. 
Week 17 at New Orleans, toss-up. Week 18 at Tampa, that's also a loss. Yeah, I mean... Like a seven, that's like a 7-8 win season, in my opinion, which I don't yeah. think would be a bad season for them. I could see them. I could see one of those games slipping for them. I, I think, like I said, I think they'll be a tough out. I think they're. I think they're heading in the right direction. I personally like Sam Darnold. I don't disagree that they're not heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Don't disagree with that at all. We'll see. I, I think, think that's a good one. Uh, I didn't realize their schedule was so easy in the in the beginning. Um, yeah, I could see them winning second. Um, I think. I just think in that division. I think. Matt Ryan being the second best quarterback, I think, is just an advantage. Um, of course, yeah, I'm always so. is. This is, but you know, Matt Ryan first year in a new system. I think Matt Ryan's good a, a second year in with a year under his belt. So that's kind of how he's always operated as as a quarterback. See their schedule. You got. Oh. Week one, home against the Eagles. Who knows? To me, that's a toss-up. Then you're at Tampa Bay. That's a loss. At New York Giants, toss-up. Probably Mm -hmm. a loss. And then you're home against Washington. I think that's a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, Home against the Jets, that's a win. Yep. So in the first five, you're probably arguably two and three. That's a rough start. That's a rough start. Uh, week seven, then you're at Miami. That's rough. Uh, especially mm-hmm. if Miami plays the way they're supposed to be playing, that could be a loss. Mm-hmm. So you'd be two and five. Week eight, you're home against the Panthers. Arguably another loss. Could be a toss up. It's a home game. Could toss it up. So let's say just I think Atlanta, and Car- Atlanta and Carolina split. Yeah. So let's say they split at home. So we got Carolina at home week seven. So you're you're now three and five. Then you're at New Orleans. Very winnable. Doesn't mean you're going to. Winnable. Winnable. At Dallas, that's probably a lose. Home against New England, that's a loss. At Jacksonville, could be a win. Um, That's a toss-up. You're a veteran team. You should be able to go in and beat a rookie quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, Week 13, you lose to Tampa Bay. Week 14, lose to Carolina. Week 15, 49ers, probably a loss. Um 16 home against the Lions, that's a win. 17 at Buffalo, that's a loss. Home against New Orleans, that's a win. And you're looking at six wins probably. Six, seven, I would say. I'd say it's about on par par of what I said. Um, Not a – kind of difficult beginning schedule, to be honest, for them. Yeah, that's a tough open. For a team team, uh, being that bad. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? Um. All right. So we got that division pretty much taken care of. Let's go to the NFC North. Uh, Another one that I think is a little easier to predict. Um, NFC North, who do you got? I'll I'll let you kick this one off. What do you got? Where where are their rankings? So I'm rocking with the Packers despite all the the offensive turmoil or the, you know, the offseason turmoil. I am finishing at 10 and 7. Um, there's a stretch in the middle of their seat. They're, you know, they, they have some brutal games against, you know, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Browns, the Seahawks. They're going to play the Vikings twice. I think the Vikings are going to be way better. So I think that the Packers are going to have a brutal schedule. Uh, or just, you know, 
they're not going to be as successful as they've been the last few years going 13 and three. I think you're, you're looking more at like 10 and seven. You know, I think, you know, the drama has some effect on the team. You know, I think that they're incredibly reliant on some of the rookie draft picks that they brought in. They drafted a, a corner out of Georgia. Uh, they drafted a center out of Notre Dame. And then they got Amari Rogers out of um, Clemson, who's a receiver. I think he's going to be a big slot receiver for them. And so, uh, you know, I think that they'll be competitive. I think they'll win their division. Uh, but I have them going at 10 and 7. Uh, I have the Vikings. I think the Vikings will be one of the more improved teams in the league. They're, I think I have them going nine and eight. Um, you know how Kirk Cousins performs in primetime games. So I think, you know, <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Cousins is the epitome of turning back into a pumpkin on uh, when, he, yeah. when he plays in his games. Big lights so, are on. He shrivels. Yeah, shrivels. But folds like a cheap lawn chair. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, I think the Vikings will eventually. I think the Vikings will go nine and eight. Um, they have a great offense. I love Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is going to dominate this year. Him and Adam Beelan is a good common. Uh, Irv Smith is is a good tight end for the Vikings. Who that will be a first time starter. Um, and then you have Dalvin Cook, who's you know speaks for himself. Stud. So they have a good they have a good defense. Mike Zimmer is a good coach. I have them around the playoffs at nine and eight. Uh, I got Chicago at seven and ten. Uh, the thing there with, for me is that I just think off they have a good defense, um, but I just think you know offensively reliant on Allen Robinson to do his thing, and then you got uh, I think his name is uh, something Montgomery. He's the running back. For that. And, you know they have they have an average offensive line at best. Uh, I know that they lost some of like their second and third receivers. So to me, it seems kind of moot to play Justin Fields right now. I'd let Andy Dalton start out the season, kind of see where it goes, and then give some, Justin Fields some experience towards the end of the year once they're out of the playoff picture. But seven and ten definitely will be competitive. I'm actually going to see the the Bears play the Bucks this year. My buddy got tickets, has season tickets. Oh, nice. He's giving me that. Yes, yeah, so I think that'll be a good game to go to. Maybe Justin Fields will be in at that point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, then. You know, I think Detroit's one of the worst teams in the league. It's just scoreable. I, I don't like on par with the Texans. I don't like their coach. Um, I don't like, like their organization. Person. Yeah, I don't like their personnel. So I got them at like four and thirteen. And they mm-hmm. just lost their best quarterback. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know you got technically you got another quarterback in Goff, but I don't think Goff's that great. Me neither. Um. Yeah, pretty similar. Uh, I think I have the Packers winning 11. Not that that's far off. We're talking about splitting hairs there. Thing is pretty locked up. Um, I have the same exact rankings as you. I think there's very similar. Uh, Vikings are just a solid team, well-run organization. You got a good defense, um, very team-oriented. I think they'll make the playoffs, but it'll be be more of a wild-card spot. I, I think the I think the Bears giving them seven wins. It's about right. I have them maybe six or seven as well. Uh, Viking or the uh, um, the Bears. I mean, fuck the Lions. Um, I I have them winning maybe two three games. Uh, I don't think they're gonna win very many. Um, I think the Packers. Yeah, take that division pretty handily. I think they probably split with the Vikings, potentially. Uh, 
potentially split with the Bears, but I think more than likely they probably win both against the Bears and then win both against the Lions. Wait, uh, just think they, about it outside the division. The only thing I'd have to say about the Packers is like 10 or out of their first 11 games are against playoff teams. Well, I think that's where most of their losses yeah. are going to come. Yeah. 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 Like they play the Ravens. They play – I was just looking at their schedule. They play the Ravens. They play the Browns. Play the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, like it's not like <clears> – <throat> it's not like it's just an easy win for them. They have mm-hmm. Browns, Ravens back to back. They play Seattle. Uh, they even play the Rams. I know it's at home. The Seattle game's also at home, but like they're still good teams, very winnable games for them. They play the Chiefs. You got the Cardinals. Uh, like they got a lot of teams and they play the Niners again. Like, and they play the Niners in week three. So who knows? Um, and the, the Niners have a very good defense. They always seem to have Aaron Rodgers' number. Um, but there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that are outside their division that I think are very losable games. Exactly. Um, they could also, I think they, they're, they're guaranteed to, I think, I think they could win two of those, so they could e- easily go two and five in those. But they could also go one and six, so or zero oh and seven. But they're good teams. It's not like it's not like uh, it's not like they're playing, you know, the Jets and stuff. Like those, mm-hmm. these teams are all playoff contention teams that they're playing. So yeah, exactly. So I definitely think that's a. I think. Good calls. I really don't have much to add on to that, to be honest, Agreed. because I, I think yeah. those are, I think it's a pretty, you see what, what you see is what you get with that division. Um, now I want to go into, <laughs> I think the most competitive best division in football overall from top to mm. bottom. So, uh, top, so top to predict. Yeah. Um, NFC West, uh, for obvious reasons, people who know me that we will be talking about the NFC East last because, well, we know why. Um, big Eagles fan over here. Uh, NFC West. Um, interested to hear your takes. I know you were excited uh, about one of these. Um, go ahead. I'll let yeah, you so we'll, just, we'll just run through it. I got the Seahawks uh, finishing at eleven and six. I think they're probably going to be one of the biggest threats to, t- uh, to win the Super Bowl. I think they're a top four Super Bowl team. You know, they addressed their offensive line issues in the off season. I think a big addition will be Gerald Everett. Good. Like, are we good? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, I got Seattle finishing at 11 and six. I think they're the biggest threat to Tampa out of the NFC, actually. Um, I think that they'll probably play face Tampa in the NFC championship. Uh, I think they addressed all of their offensive line issues in the offseason. They also brought in Gerald Everett, the tight end from Los Angeles. I think he's going to be a stud for them. I think he's going to have a big year for them. I think that, um, you know, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, Chris Carson, uh, Richard Penny, they have a really good offensive attack. I think they're going to spread the ball out more. And like I said, I just think they're going to run away with the division um, in the West. Uh, just because I think, you know, think best overall quarterback, best overall coach. I'll take Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson. I think, you know, in San Francisco, you got the the unsurety of whether or not it's going to be Kyle Shan or whether it's going to be, you know, uh, Trey Lance or Garoppolo. Um, uh, you know, in LA, I think, like, I, like I've explained, I think it's going to be, you know, the Matt Stafford situation, and it's kind of going to have to be all on him with not a lot of depth. Um, so, 
Uh, I think that'll be a thing. And then with the Cardinals, I, I take Russell Wilson. So that's why I got the Seahawks at 11 and 6. Kind of my surprise team that I also think is going to make the playoffs is the Cardinals. I'm finishing at 10 and 7. Um, I just think that, you know, the offensive personnel, they put around Kyler Murray. First off, you have, you know, Kyler Murray. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who is by far, I think, the best receiver in the NFL. He's an absolute monster. I love the way he plays. I love the way he's the best receiver in football no question and then behind him you know you have christian kirk and aj green aj green's been hurt but i still think you know in like a, a number two number three role he'll be a solid receiver and kind of an underrated player that people don't really know about is this receiver named rondale Moore that they got out of purdue in the second round this past draft he was a first team all-american as a freshman at fucking purdue of all places Dominated. I think he's going to be one of the breakout players this year, like a breakout rookie player. He'll be good in the return game. They'll hand him off the ball and let him run. He'll, he'll catch passes. So I think he'll be a key underrated player. I think, you know, their pass rush that they have with J.J. Watt, uh, Chandler Jones, and then, you know, you just, they drafted David Collins. They're going to have a lethal pass rush. You, you have Isaiah Simmons, who I think is going to be a budding star, kind of a hybrid player, can play safety, can play linebacker. You got Buda Baker. Uh, the biggest thing for the Cardinals would be their cornerbacks. You know, they got Malcolm Butler they brought in with a trade. Uh, I think they have uh, something. His last name is Alfred. He used to be a corner for the Falcons. So they have – and so, you know, I just think that, you know – They got good safeties, though. They got good Buda Baker is a pro bowler. They got this guy named uh, Byron Murphy Jr., who, who was a second-rounder out of Washington, who's a pretty solid player. So they got, like – they have good players in paper. I think I think and you know for Cliff with for Cliff Kingsbury this is like an urgent year for him so I think you know like he's kind of coaching for his job so I think I think the Cardinals are gonna are gonna be you know a tough out I think they're gonna be I think they're gonna finish second in the division and then you know the reason I kind of have them uh, is and then I have the Rams next at nine and eight and I kind of had them flip flop with the Cardinals so originally I had the Rams at ten and seven. And the Cardinals at nine and eight. I think that the injury to Cam Akers is, is devastating to their team. And kind of like we discussed before, you know, they don't have really anyone notable on the offensive line. The offensive line is not a strength, it's average at best. That you know, they haven't had a first round pick in six years in Los Angeles. So they're very thin. They don't have a lot of depth. You know, they're relying on they have two good corners, but besides then, but other than that, like you know, like if they go down, like they are in a deep trouble. And I think, you know, it's just a similar situation to what Matthew Stafford had in Detroit, but just on a bigger scale. Well, now you're in L.A., the talent might be a little bit better, but, you know, like, it's all on your shoulders. And, like, he has – and we've seen how he's performed in primetime games. I think that's kind of, like, the reason why I have the Cardinals finishing over L.A. And then, you know, with San Francisco, I have them finishing – I think I'm going to check here. San Francisco, I believe I have them. I have them to the Niners at eight and nine. I think they'll be competitive and good. They have a good defense. They have a good front seven. Um, but you know, offensively, I'm not. I'm not. I, I like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I just don't think they're game breakers as individual receivers. So I'm and with the quarterback, you know, the uncertainty about Garoppolo and Trey Lance. I just think you know the division is too competitive to be uncertain about who's your quarterback, and that's why I feel like they'll be. That's why I feel like they'll finish last. Okay. Uh, lots unpacked there. I will stay with – I agree, Seattle. I will say this. I want to read you something. 
This is Seattle's first seven games. Okay. Mm -hmm. At Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. That's a tough first week game. Would have potentially injured Carson Wentz. Potentially, but he's also scheduled to start. Um, But it's still tough. I'm saying like this, listen to the first seven games. They got a very, very hard first seven games. You got at Indianapolis. You're home against Tennessee. At Minnesota which is no cakewalk to go into U.S. Bank Stadium. Then you go to San Francisco. Then you're home against the Rams at Pittsburgh. So the first six, because then you get your finally your first, I would say, cakewalk game is week seven versus the New Orleans Saints. Even that one it might not be a cakewalk because you might have Mike Thomas coming back around that time. Well, you just – play underneath and you'll be fine yeah just press cover them <laughs> but like those first six games are not easy games you know what i mean you're gonna have you're gonna have six very very tough fought battle games uh in the first six games a week now i agree i think they're winning the division i think their only questions are ever as it always has been is their offensive line how are they going to hold up throughout the year they brought, they brought in two free agents at the guard position to kind of solidify the interior and they were it was game it's Jackson. just always been a weak point it's always been something that's always been their their issues their own well, well now it's not well on paper it's not yeah right uh and I, I think everything that you said as far as our offensive weapons, great. Uh, I kept saying their safeties, and I was saying the wrong safeties. I said Jamal Adams. I thought for some reason you were still talking about Seattle, but it was because I was looking at their schedule um, as you were talking. Yeah, but you were talking about the Cardinals. Safeties. Well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, I, you were talking about the Cardinals' safeties. Yeah. And because I was looking at the Seattle uh, schedule when you said that, I, for some reason, just thought you were talking about Seattle. So that's why you, you'll hear me in the podcast like saying when I was talking about them. Uh, I think the Cardinals also, I have them winning second. Uh, mm-hmm. I have them second as well. I think they're going to be a 10-win team. Uh, it's all on how healthy is Kyler, how Kyler Murray is, how healthy is Kyler Murray. Yeah. Because I, uh, I think to be successful, Kyler Murray has to run. Like, and not like all the time, but I think it's an element that matters because people on the it does, yes. He had like over 10 rushing touchdowns last year. So it's yeah, a big part it, of It's a part it's of the game that opens game. up his passing too. And he's a good passer, don't get it twisted, but like he is as effective as he is because of his le- the use of his legs. I agree. And so I have them winning second. I have, which this to me is interchangeable, Rams, Niners. Now, if you'd asked me before the injury of Cam Akers, Rams are definitely taking third. Agreed. To me, I have them taking second before the Cam Akers thing. Because I think it's argue, a different, yeah, very, and very, very different. It's a different well. team now. It's a different approach, I think. I don't have any faith in Jimmy G as a quarterback. So I think this really this is why I think also. Their defense some of is not as good as it used to be too, at least from a defensive back perspective. They got a solid, yeah, they got a solid D line though. And they're, they got probably arguably the best linebacker in the game. Yeah. Fred Warner. Yeah. Um, which I think is still going to be incredible for them defensively. I just don't trust Jimmy G. I really don't. And I really don't trust that offense. I don't think that this is a league where you can be super successful, where you run the ball a lot, a lot. Like mm-hmm. where you are, it's just the new era now. You have to be able to pass it. I'm not saying you, you have, have to have a lot, some element of a running game. Exactly. Though. You have to have you an element. You can't have a game where you have a quarterback throwing ten times. You're never gonna win. You're not gonna win anything doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't trust that. I think you could arguably put the Rams at fourth. Um, like. Say, when they play, here, here's teams, the, here's the, here's the argument, right? Here's the thing about the art. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's pretty clear cut. The Seahawks are taking it. Um, I, and I would say it's 
rather locked in that the Cardinals are going to be second. Um, I, the, it, my opinion, but um, the the Rams. The reason I think they're going to be a difficult game for the Niners is their corners can shut those receivers down. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to get. They're not going to have a vertical passing game. And are you really going to trust Jimmy G to sneak ball like the ball into a into a small window against those corners? No. No. Yeah. So that's why I think I put the Niners last and I put the Rams third. But I think they are arguably interchangeable. I think the Rams are still getting into the playoffs at nine and eight. I think they'll be the last seed in. Could be, could be. I don't disagree with that. Um, All right, last division. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, we got number one. I'll start. I'll start. Uh, NFC East. I think you got. In my opinion, I think the Washington Redskins are Mm -hmm. taking uh, number one slot. Uh, I think they're winning. I think they got. They just got a good. They got one. They've had an incredible coach. I think Don Rivera uh, yep. is a great, great coach. Yep, yep, yep. They got Green. a very good defense. You got a great very pass good. rush. You got good linebackers good and corners. just very, very good corners. You got great solid corners. DBs um, in the uh, in the safety positions. Uh, you, their defense doesn't really make mistakes if you watch them and watch them on last year. It's like all of them are really good at doing their job. They're a very mm. good team defensively. Um, and now you got a decent quarterback who can sling it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if Rivera does a good job of managing him and making him gunsling when he needs to gunsling and keeping tame when he needs to keep tame, I don't think they're winning a Super Bowl, but I think they're winning the division. Um, division too. I agree. Yeah. And I just think they're too good defensively. I really do. Their defense will be big for them this year. He'll be a good number two to Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I I agree, and I think that their their defense is for me is is really what takes it. Um, yeah, I have second. Uh, now, with all my heart and passion, I wanted to put the Eagles, but I reserved and I put the Giants. I'm not mm-hmm. convinced that that's. I think really second, third, and fourth are all very interchangeable in this division. But I have for the sure. Giants Probably taking second. I think Danny Dimes is actually better than people give him credit for. Um, and I think he's going to now have a running back presence again with uh, Saquon back. He's got good receivers. His defense isn't terrible. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think he could be something different. Maybe eight wins. I think that would be a good year for them, to be honest. Um, but I, I would expect the Giants to get second. I think they're just – they don't blow your mind in any other aspect. Like they don't, you don't be like, Oh wow. They're really great here. They're really good here, but they have the the pieces to be pretty fucking solid. I would say the giants are really, you know, skilled. I would say the receiver position. But they don't have, I'm saying they don't have a stud. Who's like a Julio or an AJ Brown. Like you don't see anybody Not necessarily, but they got Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard. They have uh, Darius Slayton. Right, they that's all my point. So they have, they have, they're just solid everywhere. Like they don't have, like they don't have a position where I'm like, oh, they're weak there. They might mm-hmm. not have anybody who's like mind blowing talent and super talent, but like I, other than Saquon, obviously, but like they, I don't see a position that they're necessarily weak in. 
that make sense? I agree. No, I yeah. agree. I think the Giants are set up where it says, Daniel Jones, if you're not succeeding with this, then you're not going to succeed at all. and We're going to have to move forward. So I think that's what this season is about because, you know, they've surrounded him with the tools and pieces where it's like offensively, like you have everything you could possibly need. But I think yeah. it's now just about going out and executing. The only thing I think with the Giants is, is they have a weak offensive line. And they have a turnstile at left tackle and Andrew Thomas, who they reached on in the draft. They drafted him way too high. And I think he, you know, they drafted him in the top 10. He was rejected like a, a, a 30 or higher player. And so I just think, you know, the Giants, that's going to be their biggest one. They're solid on defense. I think they're solid on offense. They're really solid on offense. But, you know, it's hard to get anything moving when you have an offensive line that's struggling. So we'll see, you know, if they've gotten better this year. Um, but you know, last year, I think they played really well based upon their defense. They were in a lot of dog fights. They were in a lot of low scoring games. So and I think that'll be like, you know, that's just the nature of the NFC. It's like, there'll be games where it's just a straight up dog fight. It's ugly. Like a team wins like by a field goal, like the 17, game. 14, something like that. 13 yeah. to 10, some slug fest. <laughs> the ball hasn't moved past a 40 and either opponents. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the punting in this game who can get call inside the call corner yeah just a field position game just a chess yeah. match exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then uh i got i got the eagles coming in third i really do you can call me a homer but uh i just I just don't really see I don't, Dallas just doesn't really threaten me. I think they just got a lot that they're trying to fucking figure out right now. And they have a lot of moving parts where us particularly, we got some of what we would consider like the cancerous parts out of our team. Um, we got a new coach, it, which I'm saying is doesn't line you up to having a, an amazing season, but like, I don't think we're on paper to fucking be terrible. Like, I think we got a squad to be decent. We've got, um, you know, we've got the players. We've got we have standout players at positions. You got Fletcher Cox. Uh, defensively, we just got Kerrigan. We got Brandon Graham. Like our front seven is very solid, very good. We got good linebackers. We have good players on at DB. Um, not amazing, other than Slay. I think Slay is really good. I think he's a he's, top, he's, good. he's a good he's top good. five seven corner in the league. Yeah, uh, that guy Anthony Harris from the Vikings who led the league in interceptions last year. Yes, and we have, um, and we have, um, I think Kevon Wallace. We drafted him out of Clemson last year. He started to come on late in the season. He's a solid. I think he's a solid safety. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty high on him. And then our offense isn't terrible. We, you know, we have good. We have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, still good pl- tight ends. Um, Devonte Smith, I'm interested to see how he's doing. Jalen Rager is apparently doing pretty well this off season. I know it's all catches. Those two highlight catches. You got to be a pretty good talent to make a catch like that. Um, and for his size in the red zone, that's pretty impressive to make that in my opinion. I mean, he was, um, an, he was a stud at Texas or Texas, where Texas credits. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a, he played there as a freshman. I mean, I think he'd be a good all around player. I think he, I, like I said, I think the offense needs to be like a college style offense in Philly for Jalen hurts and his players around him to be successful. Well, because I don't think he, too, he's a stud. I like, I like him. I like him a lot. And I, and I think, you know, I think Philly, what's, what's reliable for Philly is, you know, you're relying on some of the picks that you made in the past to come through like that. Who's that, that Dillard guy you got from Washington state. Who's a tackle. 
Yeah. Like you're expecting him to come in and be good. You also had a lot of injuries to your live match or two. So you get Brandon lot, Brooks back, lot, who's, who's one of the best guards in football. You have Jason Kelsey, right who's one of the best yeah, one in of football. The best right yeah. tackles in yeah. the league, too. Lane Johnson. Exactly. Now, if you get Dillard, you have a great, you have a way better offensive line. Yeah, because we got rid of so Peters. Bad. So, or we don't have Peters anymore. Uh, it's him or the Australian guy, uh, the guy who played rugby, who he's supposed to be actually pretty good, though. But you know, yeah. I think the thing I think the thing with the Eagles is you don't have a true number one receiver who like you know can get a separation, get open. So I think there needs to be a lot of motions. I think there needs to be a lot of move Devontae Smith around. Don't let Devontae Smith get pressed up on a corner because that's not how he's going to be successful. You have to I put agree. him in motion. You have to do a college style offense where Jalen Hurts is moving and running out of the pocket. I think Miles Sanders needs to be the focal point of the offense. I just think the Eagles are rebuilding. I'm not a believer in Nick Sirianni. Um, I kind of think he was a bad hire. I think the GM, the owner interference. They want somebody like, that I, I think he, exactly. And I don't, and I don't know. And I don't think that's going to work. I think you're going to have to kind of get the GM out of there eventually in order to really like have your wholesale changes. Um, I do agree of a good front seven. I like Anthony Harris, I like Darius Slay. Um, but you know, I just think that, you know, in this division with the uncertainty that is Jalen hurts, you just don't know what he's going to be. Um, haven't seen him at all in the preseason that that's going to be the biggest question mark. And that's why I haven't finishing last. I so I 100% think that our issue is the GM. I think we need to get Howie Roseman out of there. I, I said that from the start. I said it's not Carson. We need Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman gone. The problem is Howie Roseman. I don't know if it was even Corey. Doug Peterson. I don't even know if it was Doug Peterson. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was because he and Carson didn't like each other and they they didn't see eye to eye. And you're not going to ever, if you don't get have that combination working, you're never going to be successful. And I, I think Doug Peterson's an issue. And I also think Howie Roseman was. The problem is, is uh, Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman are really, really close, which is a problem, um, wh which means Howie Roseman's probably there for a very foreseeable future. The problem is he's a terrible drafter. He doesn't listen to his scouts, and I'm not impressed with him at all so far in the last five years as a, mm -hmm. as a GM. And the Bad fact drafter. that he feels like he should have any say in what goes on on the field, your thing is to talk to the quarter – or you're supposed to talk to the head coach – have a style that the coach likes to play, and you fill his style with players. And watch you a shit know. ton of tape and, and and scout players. You're not. You have no insight on how the team is run. You shouldn't do that. You're you're there to get players to fit the scheme mm -hmm. that the coach wants to run. Now, if you don't like the coach, eventually that happens. The GM should not be having a lot of say in what's going on on the field. That's just it should never be a thing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I think that's a difficult one. I I personally just think there's too much variable and up in the air for the Dallas Cowboys mixed in with not a very good defense. Um, I think you call me just a Dallas hater. That's fine. But I think we're going to be a solid team. I think as the Eagles. So I say we're going third. And then I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be dead last. I think you're looking at the division winner and the uh, Redskins are maybe winning 10 games, but it's probably going to be nine. And then I think the rest of us are going to fall in that five to five to eight category as well for wins. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. I've watched 10 10 of 7. Pretty much agree with everything you said. They have the best coach in defense. I think, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be their downfall. His ability to be a gunslinger, uh, things of that nature. So, I think that um, 
Yeah, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will kind of be the reason why the Redskins are kind of lurking around 10 and 7, 9 and 8. I actually have Dallas finishing a 9 and 8, you know, with the exception of Tampa in week one. They don't play a, an actual playoff team from the year before until like week 10 or 11. I like their offensive personnel. Uh, like I said, I think that, you know, the running game needs to be the focal point. Uh, the defense is a lot of question marks. And we've kind of had those conversations about Dak and what we think he needs to do. Um, but, you know, I think that the Cowboys, just in terms of the talent they have, should be should finish a nine and eight. And given their schedule, they have an easy schedule at the beginning part of the year. Um, I have the Giants at eight and nine. I think the Giants have a great, you know, defense. I have great defensive personnel. Uh, I think they have great offensive skill position players. Uh, their biggest, you know, downfall is Daniel Jones and their offensive line. And I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome those two things. And that's why I think that they'll finish at eight and nine. And then Philly, we have the discussion. I just don't like the Nick Sirianni hire. I think they're rebuilding. And um, I think Jalen Hurts is even a question mark too. So. 100%. Uh, and that's why I wouldn't be surprising if if we did get last. Um, I had his third. I think he wants to, to be honest. I think he wants to, to be honest, just to get a big-name player. Maybe. I just don't. Problem is, what's I think the point of being hurts. I, that's what's the, the point of being like eight and eight, seven, you know, or like eight and nine, seven and ten. And I don't think like I don't think we're bad enough to not win seven games. That's the thing. Mm, right. I think we're just good enough to win seven games where we get middle of the pack drafting again, but we're also not good enough to win our division. And the thing is, is I think they're sticking with hurts. Like I, which mm. is to me is a question mark. Obviously, no true number one receiver. Still out in the open. You don't know. Maybe Smith is is what he's hyped up to be. We don't know that. We have yet mm-hmm. to see him play. He could be. Um, I know he's an incredible route runner from everything that I'm reading on him. He's really good at his routes. Um, but that being said, you know, the the one some of the big question marks are GM and quarterback and where are those gonna be answered in the next couple of yeah. years of the draft? Probably not. Nope. So you know, I think that's the issue. Uh, so who do you got coming out of the um, NFC then? So I think playoffs are going to line up with the Bucks at the one seed at 13 and four. I got the Seahawks at the, at the two at 12 and five. I'm going to go Packers at the three seed with 10 and seven. Redskins at the four seed, 10 and seven. And I go Cow- or Cardinals, Cowboys, Rams. Uh, I obviously got the Bucks coming out. And I think the Bucks and the Chiefs play again in the Super Bowl. I think the Bucs win again, but I think it's a way, way closer game. I think the Chiefs will wait for way more contested just because, you know, they'll have a better offensive line. Pat Mahomes will be running for his life. Um, I think it would be an interesting, like, sequel Super Bowl to see. I think, and, you know, I think it kind of sounds like the easy answer to say, but I just think that those two teams are head and shoulders above the rest of their competition. And, like, within their respective conferences, I don't see any team in the AFC or the NFC that can really challenge them. So for me, NFC wise, I don't agree. I don't disagree with your first four picks. I think those are pretty spot on um, as far as one, two, three, and four going. Uh, I do think five, you'd also have Cardinals. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a third team in the NFC West. So barring how the Niners or Rams do, I think it's probably the Rams. I think the Rams Mm -hmm. get that uh, sixth slot. I think the Vikings are stealing seventh, though. I think the Vikings make playoffs. I think that's Very underrated. Well I think well they're a good defense. They're, they're a good enough team to make playoffs. Uh, maybe not make a run, but they're, they're good enough to make playoffs, especially with seven mm-hmm. teams now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the Vikings making the playoffs. Uh, coming out of the NFC, I don't think 
the only team that can really beat them is Seattle, um, depending on their defense. Um, other than that, I think it is pretty much the Bucks coming out of there. I think the Bills are probably better than people are giving them credit for. They're young enough to uh, they're young enough to really um, what's the word I'm looking for to compete with the the Chiefs. Uh, I don't want to say the Chiefs got exposed on how to beat them, but it really does look like if you contain Tyree Kill from a big play explosion, he's the key to opening up all their underneath routes. They have a. They don't have like a, other than Kelsey. They don't to me. They don't have a receiver that goes across the middle. Can do a tough possession catch. It Harmon's all deep. So is Tyree Kill. They have a great offensive player in uh, Travis Kelsey uh, at tight end, and obviously with Mahomes is just Mahomes. He's, he's an incredible talent. Uh, but I don't know. I just I I think there was kind of an exposure with them if if you could just contain them from over the top. It makes their offense really hard to run. Obviously, you're. It sounds like you're saying this and you're shitting on them. I expect them very much well to be in the AFC title game. Um, so it's not like, it's like, it sounds like I'm downgrading them. But you're like, all right, you're one game away from the Super Bowl. I just think they're a little more beatable this year, and I think the Bills have the team and really in the AFC, the only team capable of beating the Chiefs. I just think that the, the only thing is I don't think the Bills did enough defensively in the offseason to, like, like what's different about their defense now going from last year to this year. And the Chiefs ran right through them. And I think when you're facing the Chiefs, you need to be able to stop the Chiefs. And Young it's not quarterback, enough. first time in the AFC title game. Uh, didn't yes, have but, great field, but, like, ball but possession. It's, it's not about offense with the Chiefs. You, you don't want to get into a track meet with the Chiefs. Right, you need but to, you need to have Chiefs, to be able to stop that. I'm not saying a track meet. I'm saying is you hold on to the ball more, you have better time of possession. But they don't have the a running offense. game. They don't have a solidified running game. Like, the, uh, like I don't – like, that's one of their biggest holes is their running backs. So, I just don't think that, like, Buffalo did anything to, like, do what's needs to, what's necessary to beat the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs, you don't want to get into a track meet with the Chiefs. You want, like you said, you want to be able to slow the ball down. They they don't have the run game or the consistent run game to do that. No, but you implement more QB stuff with with Allen, who is a good runner. And when you're talking in an AFC title game and you're going, do you need him to run the ball 12 times? He runs the ball 12 times. You're not taking care of him, making Mm -hmm. sure he's not getting hurt in the AFC title game. Well, maybe they do it this time. But I just don't think they did anything defensively to say, like, okay, now we can stop the Chiefs because you have to be able to stop them. And if you can't stop them, then you're screwed. I think that's why the Bucs are tailored to beat them because they have an edge rush. And one of Buffalo's biggest holes is they don't have an edge rush. And so, like, when you don't have an edge rush, you can't generate pressure on Pat Mahomes. Like, like you're not going to win. Like it's an it's an impossible task, so that's why I think that the, the Chiefs will still get through because I just don't see a team with a viable enough pass rush to to knock the Chiefs off their spot from what they do. The Bucks were able to do that because the Chiefs' offensive line was decimated. Now their offensive line isn't, so I think now you have like a little bit more of a competition. The Chiefs will be able to do more with their offense. I mean, they're all fair arguments. Um... Only one way to find out. Only one way to find out. Um, let's see where did uh, uh, I'm trying to look up. I mean, the Bills had last year they had 38 sacks. 
They were they were towards the they were towards the I'm upper echelon. I'm not saying echelon. they were bad defense, but it's like you need a defense. But I'm saying pass rushing. You got 38 sacks. That ranks pretty. They're like middle of the pack on defense. They're not like a terrible rush. They've got um, where they get blown up is let's see. They're they're rushing. They're a really bad run defense. So they allow a lot of yards. Actually, no. I think they were like a pretty middle solid of the defense. pack run defense. I mean, they're uh, just offensive mind. They're just offensive base. And I was like, I just wish they would have got like if they really wanted to challenge uh, Kansas City, they needed like a big name edge rusher, or they need an edge rusher to come and pop, like in the draft or like in free agency. And I, I just don't think they made those kind of moves. Which I think ultimately will lead Buffalo to not being able to get to the Super Bowl if Kansas City holds their end of the bargain. You know, Kansas City gets upset, and that's a different ball game. I think the only team capable of upsetting them, though, is the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think it's Kansas City and Buffalo above everyone else, but I don't think even Buffalo's on Kansas City's level. Well, like you said, only one way to find out. That's that's the beauty of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, what were they? What was I going to say? Something else. Um, I remember, but um yeah anyways we got we got a lot to look forward to this season um Mm -hmm. you know we've got i would say some contenders more often than not you've got um i would say some better teams uh looking forward this year some improvements some teams that might surprise you um i think the nfc west is going to be your most exciting um coupled with maybe if you're looking NFC AFC North is gonna be I was about to say the same thing. AFC North, if you're looking for competitiveness in the AFC, AFC North is yeah, it's gonna be a solid division. Yeah. Well, hey man, uh thanks for coming on. We did we broke this shit down, bro. We broke that shit down. Yeah, we really got we got into it. I like getting into the weeds, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, brother. Uh, well, hey, man, you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. It sounds like the boys are back. The kids are, oh God, the kids are yeah, home. The animals are home. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and uh, we'll talk soon. Later, man. Talk soon. Later, man.